Greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn move related show on the planet Earth, the John Gampy Show, coming to you from right here on my YouTube channel. I am, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV, streaming, all sorts of good things. Joined here, of course, by Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Robert, how are you doing today, sir? John, I'm astonished by what the James Webb Telescope images are. The first five images have now been released. Yeah. Congratulations to the whole team. I'm back to the existential crisis I had when Hubble sent back pictures in 1996 i don't know what i'm gonna do <laughs> and sitting right beside him of course joining us today is amy newman amy how you doing good i don't have anything nearly that smart or existential to say but i'm here to talk some movies <laughs> it's good to have you you know what i'm really excited about we got a buddy of ours filmmaker kyle newman mm. um he has the premiere of his new movie mm-hmm. tonight i'm gonna go to the premiere oh tonight. congratulations yeah oh i'm yeah. looking forward to seeing he him down the, there he's such a good guy He's a really, really good guy. I've, I've always loved doing stuff with him, and it's going to have, it's going to be a nice night. I'll tell you guys all about it. Follow me on social media. We'll, we'll talk about that premiere tonight. But anyway, guys, welcome to the show. Here's how today's show is going to go. We're going to break it down into two parts. In the first half of the show, we're going to talk about some predetermined topics, and in the second half of the show, we're going to take your live comments and questions. Now, if you want to get a live comment or question, thought, theory, or whatever, I'll read on the second half of the show about any or all the stuff that we're going to talk about here today. Number one, you got to be watching live. Number two, once we get to the end of the main topics, I'll announce that we're opening up the Super Chats. Eh, Try not to throw in five-parter questions. It's probably not going to work out so well, but just be ready to have your stuff fired in then. All right, guys, with all that down, let's get into a couple of off-the-tops here, shall we? And the first one is this. You know, Netflix has been in the news a lot lately, mostly for all the wrong reasons. I mean, certainly some good stuff, like with the smash success of Stranger Things Season 4, came one of the biggest things that they've ever had on their platform and stuff like that. But, you know, recently we were talking about the fact that they, for the first time in 11 years, they had a decline in viewership. Their numbers are stagnating. Their stock price took a beating. You know, it's been all this stuff. Well, a new report just came out in Variety looking at their situation really in depth. And the picture they paint is not good. According to this report, Netflix is in a lot of trouble. And here's what the trouble basically revolves around. There's two primary factors here. Primary factor number one is something, Rob, that you and I have been talking about for years. Yes. Which is the fact that Netflix gets the majority of its views, not from its original content, but rather from its catalog content that they license from other providers. So over his, historically, they've had shows like The Office and Friends and some CSI stuff, and they have Shit's Creek, and they have all this kind of stuff, right? Well, the problem is that eventually, as more and more companies open up their own streaming services, those shows are going away. They're being taken off of Netflix, and they're being taken off at a much, much bigger pace now. Now, of course, Netflix knew that was going to happen. Like five years ago, eight years ago, 10 years ago, they understood that at some point that was going to happen. So they started investing tons and tons of money into their original program. Too much money. The problem is, according to this report, and we'll get into the details here, that hasn't worked. Let's look at one thing here. Now, this comes to us again from this article in Variety that talks about the problems they're having with shows disappearing. It says this, while that... While Netflix's top 10 TV shows has been dominated by original series in recent weeks, weeks, not months, not years, (laughs) in recent weeks, broader trends point to a looming problem tied to licensed content. 
Many of the most watched shows on Netflix for the U.S. in 2020 and 2021 were licensed series, according to Nielsen, with their total viewing time surpassing even massive hits like Squid Game and Ozark. Those shows included NBC's The Office, which was the most viewed show in 2020, with over 57 billion minutes streamed, and Criminal Minds, which I, surprises me. I can't believe how many people watch Criminal Minds, which topped, which was the number one streaming show in 2021 with over 33 billion minutes. As noted, both of those series are no longer available on Netflix. And more high-profile licensed shows are set to depart in the near future. Schitt's Creek, which ranked among Netflix's most-watched titles in both 2020 and 2021, will move to Hulu in the U.S. in October. NBC Universal Properties, Friday Night Lights, and 30 Rock will be removed in the U.S. and Parks and Recreation worldwide after just a year on the service. So basically, problem number one, the first prong of the problem, is that all of their most viewed shows are leaving. They're all departing. But you might think to yourself, that's okay. Netflix saw this coming. That's why they spent untold billions of dollars in original content to make sure they keep attracting in new audiences. Here's the problem. According to this report, none of their new series are bringing in new audience members. None of their original content is creating new subscribers. Their article goes on to say this. Get this. At the same time, data from streaming search engine Just Watch shows the number of licensed titles streaming on Netflix in the U.S. shrank from more than 5,000 to about 3,700, a reduction of almost 30%, even as Netflix overall catalog grew by nearly 10%. Despite the massive output of new titles, Netflix originals do not seem to be luring in any new subscribers at this point. A recent survey by Hub Entertainment Research asked consumers what specific content enticed them to add a new streaming subscription in the past year. Of the top 10 titles cited, only one, The Witcher, was a Netflix original. And the only other title on Netflix was AMC's The Walking Dead. So, as the survey was put out, which original titles for a streaming service enticed you to go and sign up, only one of the 10 was in Netflix. But this is where it gets even worse. Listen to this. Another recent survey by Whip Media ranked the top 20 titles that drove streaming subscriptions in the past year. None of them were Netflix originals. Not one were Netflix originals. Not one of them made it there. And also out of another survey talking about customer satisfaction with their streaming service, Netflix didn't get in the top four. This is, as Russell Crowe Zeus would say, no good. This is no good. So on the one hand, they're losing huge amounts of content and their most popular content. On the other hand, the thing they put billions of dollars in to make up for that, their original content, and by the way, they make some awesome original content. Yeah. But none of it's attracting new viewers. You know, you know, Amy, you and I were talking just before the show and, and like you accurately point out, so you, well, you know, you know, but Stranger Things, right? She's a four. So, but yeah, but everybody who's interested in Stranger Things is already a subscriber. Yeah. It didn't get any new subscribers. And that is why Netflix has this annoying habit of taking their super popular shows other than Stranger Things, which is the obvious exception, and canceling them after two or three seasons because... They're not attracting new subscribers. And we it doesn't matter if everybody on the planet watches them. We don't make any money that way. So if on the one hand you're losing your catalog content and you're not making up for it with your originals, 
but you're pouring billions and billions and billions into it and you are constantly losing market share. You know, Rob, when the stock price dropped, you you and I talked and I said, look, I don't think the sky is falling. I don't think Chicken Little. This is bad news for Netflix, but Netflix is huge. The, the, I'm not as convinced anymore. Like this, I, I, I wish I had a crystal ball to look one year into the future, two years in the future and see where things are at Netflix right now. But this is very grim sounding stuff. Anyway, you read these studies. What stands out to you the most about all these facts and figures we're looking at? <clears throat> Well, the first thing that strikes me is all of these streaming services are chasing subscribers. Well, there's only so many houses that have that you can go after. There's a finite number. And so, you know, Netflix, they're going to hit a wall. Like just say in the United States, say there's 150,000 households or 150 million households where people can and the rest. That's all you got. So Netflix had like a 65 percent market share of all of those houses at one point. That's pretty good. And so the thing about these streaming services is they know how much money they're going to get every month. That's a great, that's the advantage. But when you're chasing and you're promising your investors that, yep, we're going to have constant subscriber growth, you can't do that. Like I, 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 and I would have thought that the business model that they have, unlike Hollywood, is that if you know exactly how much money you're getting every month, that's a pretty, that's a good way to have a business. Now, everybody wants to have growth, but in this area, there's only so much growth you can have. Plus, now you're competing against all these other subscription services. But like you said, John, viewership, I don't think it's possible, even with a zeitgeist, you can't get more zeitgeist than Stranger Things and Squid Game. Those are the two biggest shows. And and the people that are going to come in and jump into your subscription service and watch those shows, and then the, maybe they're going to jump out, there's nothing they can do. I think that 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 basing your business model on increasing your subscribers is ultimately a failing one because it doesn't matter how long you're there. Eventually you're going to hit a wall. Everyone's going to hit a wall because there's only so many subscriptions to go around. And they're losing that market share now to the likes of HBO max, Disney plus Apple TV has come on strong. Even Peacock has been doing much better. Absolutely. And the thing about those, those, they have all that legacy Catalog titles. Yep. Paramount Plus is Paramount one. Plus, Warner Brothers owns Friends. I mean, we heard Net- Netflix paid $100 million in 2019 to air Friends for one year. Yeah. $100 million. I don't know how it works, but I, I, I don't know if the sky is falling yet for them, but it's certainly in free fall, maybe. Yeah, it's not looking great. Amy, you hear all this stuff. What of this stands out to you the most? I mean, it it's interesting to me because on the one hand, it makes total sense. Uh, you know, I, I think... Ultimately, at least anecdotally, like people I talk to, it's like you kind of have your one or two streaming services that, you know, have those those comfort food shows you want. For me, that's like a Hulu. I know for a lot of people, yeah, Yeah, like Peacock TV is worth it or whatever, you know, and then it's sort of that what has the most stuff that people are kind of bugging me to watch right now. And outside of, yeah, Squid Games or Stranger Things. I feel like it's I just recently uh, got uh, re got uh, HBO and it was like, oh, my God, there's so many things on here I meant to watch. Oh, HBO is loaded. It's insane. So, you know, if if you're trying to pick where your money's going, you know, I feel like at this point, if if I didn't, you know, have an in with someone who already had Netflix, who was being nice to me, I could have. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. My dad has Netflix. <laughs> what of it? Come arrest me. I don't care. Uh, but uh, no, but uh, 
I, I could absolutely see that at least being one. I, I believe the phrase is churning. Like I could yeah, see that yeah. being one that I go, eh, wait till Stranger Things comes back. But yeah, it's there's less and less. There's less I scroll through and go, I forgot that was on here. And it is weird because they do have a couple of those that are such insanely big names. But if you're not kind of consistently churning out that, oh, no, you know what? I'm, I am going to keep this or oh, I should subscribe. I keep hearing that's good. Then you're not gonna you're not gonna create that. And you know what else, John? There's a lot of people that are viewing habits that I know. I have friends that'll, they'll, if they work at home, they'll watch SVU and leave it on all day mm-hmm. when it'll yeah. be like on TNT, and they'll have blocks. My mom like, does that with Down- Downton Abbey and, yeah. and Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> and, yeah, and you just leave it on. And I think that's where a lot of these viewing numbers come from. People are home and they'll put on Friends and they'll watch six hours of Friends. Oh, episodes. I know people who've just watched Gilmore Girls like 14 times through. Like it's yeah. yeah. And Netflix doesn't really have that because even their originals, they don't have that many episodes. Mm. I mean, Stranger Things, there's only nine episodes in season four. Yeah, but 32 hours. Well, well, (laughs) that's true. That is true. But I mean, you know, I I think that one day Netflix will, rather than spend $200 million on one movie, maybe they should concentrate on making 10 episodes of multiple good movies. Legacy shows that people want to watch, like SVU, that they'll go back and repeat, repeat. repeat. Or do, well, the, the nice thing about the movie format, though, is that a great movie can entice subscriptions if it gets right, and and it's, and it's a one-shot, smaller investment. They just got to stop spending two hundred million dollars on it. But let me ask you this: Don't you love Netflix, though? Because I kind of love it. I'm loving it less. Okay. I don't get me. I still really like it. I listen. Ann and I were. Like we we went swimming the other night and we thought, oh, you know, it's, it's got some time for bed. Let's put on something. Okay. So we open up Netflix and we do Netflix roulette. You just go through what can you find? We came across this new show. It's on trending. You could do you, and it does anybody know what I'm gonna say? It was on the trending thing. Show's called So You Wanna Build a Sex Room. It's, it's Go on. It's an H <laughs> Is this true? Oh, it's hundred percent true. Oh, it's, Rob's on that. It's an HGTV style show. Like it's like a home renovated show, and this is it's this older older English lady, who she was a, a regular designer for a long time, and she started designing sex. Rooms. Now she goes across America, to different people who want a sex room in their house, and she designs them a sex room. And like Anna and I, are like, is this for real? <laughs> anyway, is there like 10 I take episodes? it back. I'll never, oh, yeah. I'll never unsubscribe from Netflix. That sounds <laughs> amazing. Like my computer, sorry. <laughs> it's, it's like, what? So like, okay, Netflix is the home of the widest variety of yeah. crazy content you got. So I will always be a subscriber, but I'm not as in love with it because it, it used to also be the place I could go to anytime and find any of my favorite shows anytime all the yeah. time. And that's not the case now. I want Parks and Rec. I go to Peacock. I want, you know, uh, with and wants to watch Friends. We're going to go to HBO. Like even con- the, the catalog stuff is moving away. But anyway, guys. Question is for you. Now everybody's frantically looking for it. So you want to build a sex room. What do you think about this report coming out about Netflix? Do you think it's as serious as they're making it sound? Maybe it's not that bad. Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. Real quick, my brain just keeps doing it to the tune of, do you want to build a snowman? (laughs) So you want to build a sex room? (laughs) And now somebody's making that meme... Right that, now. That might have just put me on a list, <laughs> singing those words in that voice. Okay. <laughs> Next up, we got another off the top here, and that is this. The Emmy nominations mm. came out today. Emmy nominations. Not as big to me as the Oscars, obviously, but it's still a pretty big deal. First thing that stood out to me, the Emmy nominations. 
what I believe is the best show on TV. And what you you may think another show is the best show on TV, and that's fine. That That's great. Yellowstone did not get nominated for best drama. And a lot of Twitter and the, the trades are going, wait, what? How Now, you don't necessarily have to think it maybe it should have won, but I cannot believe how overlooked this show is. Now, I see some people going, well, that's because the Hollywood elites don't... Listen, the Hollywood elites make Yellowstone. Make no mistake about it. But, I mean... I, I mean, that just baffles. Can I just say that? Get that out of the way. It baffles my mind that the Godfather on horses does not get nominated for. I th- personally, I think it should win best drama, but I mean, at least it should have been nominated. Like you may prefer Succession or Better Call Saul or whatever, and that's perfectly good. But the fact that this didn't even get nominated blows my mind. But with now with that me and bitching and crying out of the way. Uh, about my beloved Yellowstone. Let's actually take a look at what did get nominated. Okay, we're not going to go through all seventy-five sure. categories, but or should we? <laughs> <laughs> Just quickly, out of listen, and it's not like they limited it to five nominees. And anyway, the nominees for best drama series are Better Call Saul, Euphoria, Ozark, Severance. Very happy to see Severance on there. Squid Game, Stranger Things, very happy to see Stranger Things on there. Succession and Yellow Jackets. I'm kind of surprised. I mean, I like Yellow Jackets. I don't believe, I don't think it belongs on this list, but I like the show. It's pretty good. Uh, For best comedy series, Abbott Elementary, which my wife is super excited about. I think she's that show's number one fan. I've seen one episode. It looked clever. It looks very Parks and Rec ish. Yeah, it's really cute. So I got to check it out. Barry, Curb Your Enthusiasm, Hacks, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Only Murders in the Building, which just got renewed for season three, by the way. Ted Lasso, and I was so happy to see what we do in the shadows uh, on there. Yeah. Anyway, and then we get, you know, best actor, Jason Bateman, Brian Cox, uh, Lee Jung-jae, Bob Odenkirk, Adam Scott for Severance. Good to see him on there. And Jeremy Strong. So nothing unexpected there. Best actress, Jodie uh, Comer for Killing Eve, uh, Laura Linney for Ozark, uh, Melanie uh, Linsky mm-hmm. for Yellow Jackets, Sandra Oh, Reese Witherspoon, and Zendaya. So... They're, they're the, the key prime uh, nominees for that. So, Rob, let me go over to you. You're an Emmy voter right now. What show on this list for best drama wins best drama if you're voting? Probably Succession again. But, you know, I think all, all every every show in that category is... I mean, I would love to see something like Succession or Squid Game win, only because of the sort of fantasy bents to those things. Can I say something very unpopular? Uh-oh. I binged squid game in three days i really enjoyed it it does not belong on this list it is not best show of the year material in my in my opinion and I, this is coming from a guy that likes the show quite a bit and i couldn't stop watching but it's not that good uh, well you know it's i i i can see i i understand that because it doesn't this is gonna seem weird it doesn't have maybe the literary the other shows That's are a little bit more higher I mean, yeah. Squid Game is more wonderfully entertaining. Yeah, he's yeah, entertaining, yeah. and but, I enjoyed it a lot. But I, I have to say though, this this list of shows is very strong. You're you're not wrong. There's you're no one I'm looking yeah. at, on all these on all these categories. They're really great 
choices. Mm -hmm. I mean, you look at it and you know, I can't argue. And it's a diverse list. And I don't mean diverse as in Squid Game is an Asian person. I mean, diverse is that's a very different kind of show yeah. compared to Ozark, which is a very different kind of show compared to Severance. No, they, they, it, it's a strong list. It's a wide net in terms of the kinds of programs, which I that I like to see. And also same. The same is true of the comedy list. Too. I was just going to yeah, say the comedy that list is great. being like an Abbott Elementary up against like a Mrs. Maisel <laughs> right. is really interesting to me. But, you know, I thought Mrs. Maisel, what is it, season four? Yeah. Was its weakest season. Mm. I mean, it had a killer ending. I love the ending of it. But, I, you know, it's it's always when you see these mainstays, I feel like sometimes I'm like, but was Mrs. Maisel season four as good as Mrs. Maisel season one? I mean, a show develops a reputation and it seems to get these nominations. Not a lot is as good as Mrs. Maisel season one. No, <laughs> no. But that was exemplary, transcendent television. I really yeah. thought it was amazing. But now when you get to season four, it's like, okay, do we let somebody else in? Does Ted Lasso take it? I think it might. See, I think it's going to come down between Ted. I'm not saying who I would vote for. I'm just saying I think it's going to come down to between Ted Lasso and Abbott Elementary. I, I think those are going to be the ones. I, I didn't think this last season of Ted Lasso was as strong as the first season. Uh, but, I mean, also, only murders in the building might might be a dark horse in there, too. Hacks, too. Yeah. Hacks, I think yeah, Hacks, Hacks is, I, I mean, that yeah. lead, Gene Smart can do no wrong. I think the comedy category is going to be a tighter race. But, okay, look, look, regardless of who I would vote for, we all know it's going to win. Succession's going to win. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be a lot of, I think, campaigning for Better Call Saul, justifiably so. I think there's going to be a lot of campaigning for Stranger Things because it's so popular. I, I'm going to let, let's just put this. I'll be very surprised. I'll be very surprised if it's not Succession. I think Succession will probably take it. That ending of this last season, that Godfather ending of the <laughs> yeah. last season, was like some of the best television. Just that last 20 minutes. It was like some of the best television I've seen in like the last couple of years. It was incredible. But uh, not on the list is Yellowstone, which I just can't believe it's not even nominated. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about the Emmy nomination list? What do you think? Number one, these, these are two different questions. Number one, what do you think will win? And number two, what do you think should win? Because quite often these are two different answers. Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and leave us your thoughts. Okay, guys. With that down, let's do one more off the top, and that is this. You know, one of the things that drives me crazy that I really don't like, I do not like when somebody in a field decides to trash talk somebody else in the same field. I I, I just think that's Bush League. I think that's beneath them. Mm -hmm. I don't like hearing a director coming out and bashing another director. Let other people do that. I don't like hearing actors coming out and bashing other actors. Let other people do that. Stay somewhat classy. Not synonymous with the word classy is Mickey Rourke. <laughs> now, Mickey Rourke uh, was, was doing an interview uh, recently for promoting a, a project that he's involved in. And the I can't remember exactly what brought it up or why it was brought up. But the topic of Tom Cruise's and the success of Top Gun Maverick came up. And Mickey Rourke, for no reason, decided to launch into Tom Cruise and basically implying that he has no talent and that he is, quote unquote, irrelevant. That Tom Cruise, star of the biggest film of the year, 
is irrelevant. Uh, he, he said this. This comes to us from the folks over Variety. Uh, when he appeared on Piers Morgan, he slammed Tom Cruise as being irrelevant, which is sure to strike many moviegoers as, <coughs> me, as odd, considering the Top Gun sequel is far and away the biggest movie of the year so far. That doesn't mean shit to me, Rourke said about the film's success. Cruise has been doing the same part for 35 effing years. I guess he never saw Born on the Fourth of July. Uh, I got I got no respect for that. I don't care about money or power. I care about when I when I watch Al Pacino or Christopher Walken working or De Niro's early work. Okay, okay great. You're listing off the greatest actors, some of the greatest actors of all time. Okay, sure. Uh, the early work of Richard Harris and Ray Winstone. That's the kind of actor I want to be. A lot of guys uh, that try to stretch as actors. According to Rourke, Cruise has not stretched his acting muscles for the last three decades. When asked if Tom Cruise is a good actor, Rourke fired back. I think he's irrelevant. Okay. First of all, um, do I think Tom Cruise is a top five actor in the world? No, I do not. He is an Academy Award nominated actor and he could very well be. Academy. I, I, I think now that he's in his 60s, I think he's going to transition. He's, he's hinted at this. He's going to transition away from these action franchises once he wraps up, you know, the Mission Impossible films. He's got two more of those coming. I think he's going to focus on cementing his legacy and getting that out, going after that Oscar and stuff like that. But when you look at several films, which have been Academy worthy, um, he is not irrelevant. And he has not just played, I mean, if you want to handpick a couple of films, you say, oh yeah, he kind of played the same character in these, but you'd have to ignore a bunch of other films that he's done to say that, or just be a moron and not recognize that they're different from the other ones. And also to cement your stupidity, you decide to call Tom Cruise irrelevant. Mr. Billion Dollar Tom Cruise. Mr. Billion Dollar Tom Cruise. And that's fine. You can say money and power doesn't mean anything to me. That's fine. You can even say, you know what? Tom Cruise's acting in the art, not my cup of tea. That's perfectly fine to say too. But you make yourself look like a gibbering moron when you come out and call the, the person who put an F-18 on his shoulders and carried a sequel franchise to being right now the biggest movie of the year. To call him irrelevant is nothing short of asinine. And I'll be honest with you, I expect nothing less from Mickey Rourke. Mickey Rourke is an idiot. And I'll, I'll, I've told these stories before. I've told these stories before, but I'll repeat them here. I remember when I think the movie was called Immortals with Henry Cavill and Luke Evans and Mickey Rourke played the bad guy. A movie... That came after The Wrestler, and he got, I believe he got an Oscar nomination for that. He was, I mean, listen, Mickey Rourke was fantastic in The Wrestler. He's excellent in that. But he kind of thought he was the king of the world. And they were promoting Immortal. I remember I spoke to a couple of the producers on that movie, and I told this story before. And they were like, off the wreck, they were like, I won't name the producers. They're like, he's a fucking nightmare. He is a fucking nightmare, they told me, to work with. He would... We'd be on set, ready to shoot. He'd still be in his trailer, wouldn't come out for like an hour, two hours for no reason whatsoever. And and the nightmare stories went on. I remember once, the same movie, Immortals, I went to the press junket in like Beverly Hills where they were put on the big press junket for Immortals. This is where they're trying to promote their movie. They just spent $100 million on making and they're promoting this movie, blah, blah. And of course, one of the actors is supposed to be interviewed is Mickey Rourke. 
He didn't even bother to show up. They had us in a waiting room for two hours. I kept saying, no, Mickey's on his way. Oh, no, Mickey's coming. And finally, after two hours, the publicist had to come in and say, Mickey's not going to be able to make it today. Which the journalists all joking, sitting around joking, uh, that that's code for he's coked out in a hotel room somewhere. <laughs> now, I, I, I don't mean to make light of somebody's addiction, but that's what we were joking about in the room. It's like, okay, when they say, because you've been telling us for two hours, he's on his way, he's on his way. And then after two hours of sitting in a room, when I could have been doing other things with my wife or whatever, oh, he's not going to be able to make it. That's the type of guy he is. And I have no respect for him. Now, if you ask me about my respect level for him as a performer, when he decides to show up and actually care, like he did in The Wrestler, like he did for Sin City, like he did for uh, nine, um, nine and a half, nine half weeks. weeks. Like, Angel like, Heart. I was going to say, like he Pope did for Grand Angel Village. Heart. When he decides he's going to put in an effort and he's got to work, he's a great actor. He's an Academy-level actor. But then I start hearing from these producers to work with him on other movies like Immortals saying he just didn't give a shit. He just showed up, phoned it in, half the time didn't knew his lines, half the time wouldn't show up set on time. And this guy gets on and starts talking about how Tom Cruise, the star of the biggest film of the year and whose franchise in uh, Mission Impossible, some of the biggest films that will come out in their respective years is irrelevant. Okay, Mickey, sure. Go back to screaming at the sky in your backyard. I, I just, like, to me, and listen, I have no problem with Mickey Rourke. Somebody hits up Mickey Rourke in an interview and says, hey, so what do you think of Tom Cruise? And he says, hey, you know what? Tom Cruise isn't my cup of tea. You know, his his approach to the to the art isn't really one that I appreciate a lot, but I'm happy for a success, whatever. You just say that, that's fine. No, Nobody would fault you for that. But this nonsense, like calling him irrelevant. And I hate that I feel like I'm having to defend Tom Cruise because I'm not even the biggest Tom Cruise fan in the world. But it's just ridiculous. Anyway, Rob, you hear these comments. What do you make of them? Well, like you, I think it's bad taste. Whatever you think of Tom Cruise, the man has had a 40-plus career. I mean, you know, he worked with Coppola and The Outsiders. He was soda pop. He broke out in Risky Business in 83. He worked with Scorsese on Color of Money in, what, 86? He does Top Gun, Born on the Fourth of July, Rain Man, Tom Cruise is a brand that he himself has cultivated. And I'll tell you something. If you look at the entertainment value of his work over the last 40 years, I would put it up against, even lately, things like Edge of Tomorrow. Oh, so good. One of the great science fiction action films ever. You know, even the work he did with Spielberg and Minority Report, great sci-fi thriller. I mean, even the, the movies like American Made was pretty good. You know, a biopic, I enjoyed it. Even Night and Day that he did with James Mangold, not a great movie. I think that's but, the second most underrated movie besides uh, Valkyrie. But yeah, but fun. He did Valkyrie with, Valkyrie with Brian. I mean, if you look at Tom Cruise's body of work, Jerry Maguire, I think, is an all-time classic comedy drama. I mean, it's His work ethic and what he has put out over the last 40 years makes him, in my mind, one of the great Hollywood performers ever. And on top of all that, for during the pandemic, he has been the most prominent vocal guy saying, trying to everything to save the movie business. Yeah. He has been busting his ass to try to save the movie business in which Mickey work works in. And you got to at least, you don't even have to like the guy. You at least got to have a little bit of respect. And how about getting a, like a a ship to house his crew when they're making mission impossible to to try to protect them them from COVID and, and, and keep people working. I mean, you know, you might not like his politics or his religion or whatever, 
But Tom Cruise is one of, I think, one of the industry mainstays of, of all of Hollywood. And the proof is in the, his work. I mean, look at his, what other performer has a body of work if he's, just think about, maybe he hasn't made, you know, Schindler's List. Maybe he hasn't made, he did make Born on the Fourth of July, which is a very issue-oriented film. But he has never failed to entertain for four decades. How is that irrelevant? Yeah, I, I don't get it. Anyway, Amy, you hear an actor come like, like, and this is kind of relevant because right now, Top Gun is like all, the, it's the movie industry right now, it's yeah. Top Gun. Biggest film of the year. Way exceeded everybody's expectations. Setting new records every single day. I don't know. You hear another actor, an Academy level actor, come out and say that that guy's irrelevant. I, I don't know. What's your, how do you respond to that? I mean, I just feel like uh, kind of uh, on in in line with what you said. You know, there's there's opinion, and then there's sort of just factually accurate. And and we can sit here all day and talk about you know how we feel about Tom Cruise as an actor, how we feel about his talent, how we feel you know the diversity of his role choices or character choices have been. We could debate that all day. He's totally entitled to that opinion. But at the end of the day, you don't have to think Tom Cruise is the greatest actor who ever lived to say he's one of the biggest movie stars in the world. And he may not be. He, he's a good actor. He's a great movie star. So I think to call yeah. someone at that level irrelevant, it's just it's factually inaccurate. And at that point, to me, making such a broad comment like that, that's not just, you know, I don't love him as an actor, whatever. Fine. But when you start, you know, uh, reaching for words like irrelevant so clearly to me, that just becomes you're just trying to get a headline. You know, I think even when we came in, we're we're kind of discussing this story. Uh, I think, Ray, you said, like, why are we talking about or why do you say that? It's like, well, because we're talking about him. Yeah. And I think on some level, he probably knew if he didn't just go, I'm going to be honest, I'm not the biggest fan of his work, but good for him. That's not a headline. Yeah. Then nobody. Then that's fine. Then that's just an opinion. You're entitled to that. We move on. I don't know what we were going to say. You know, I was going to say, yesterday I was just, you know, flipping through YouTube clips, whatever. It's on your headline. A, a clip from Collateral popped up. I haven't seen Collateral in a while. It was the scene. Damn, that was good. Didn't that get uh, him a, did he not get an Academy he, nomination for that? He, I don't know for if he did. For Best Supporting? It was the clip. Ray, can he you might look have. that up? Can you check? I, I it, can't remember if he did or not. It, anyway. It was the scene where he goes in to make his first kill. <laughs> and if, and uh, he's playing a role. Like he's 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 sort of inhabited this role of this killer, and he's not like, hey, Tom Cruise, and you just watch him, his mannerisms. He was so great, and you're watching him and Jamie Fox. And I'm like, this is so wild. I mean, I own Collateral, but I'm watching this clip on YouTube, and I'm like, this is damn entertaining. And Tom Cruise can pretty much do no wrong. He's entertaining. He's wildly entertaining to watch, and he's been wildly entertaining to watch since he slid on the floor in '83 in Risky Business. Mm -hmm. Jerry Maguire, born on the anyway, uh, were you able to find that right? Yeah, it was uh, Jerry Maguire, born on the 4th of July, and Magnolia. Oh, those are the three. Okay, yeah. maybe it was Jamie Foxx got a nomination. for. I thought somebody got a nomination for Collateral. I could be wrong about that. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about a, well, I wouldn't say prominent, but a known Hollywood actor who does have an Academy nomination under his belt coming out and saying that Tom Cruise is irrelevant? Uh, anyway, I don't, I, I just, it seems odd from somebody in the industry to talk about the hottest person in the industry right now as being quote unquote irrelevant. I don't know guys, whatever your thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and leave those thoughts there. Okay, guys, with that down, we're going to move into our main topics here today. But before we do, we want to hear from one of our sponsors of today's show, our friends at Babbel. Guys, we want to take a second to thank the sponsor of this video, Babbel. 
For most of us, learning a second language in school wasn't exactly a high point for our academic careers. Being Canadian, I had to take like eight years of French and I can barely string together a couple of sentences. But now, thanks to Babbel, the language learning app that has sold more than 10 million subscriptions, there's an addictively fun and easy way to learn a new language. Whether you'll be traveling abroad, connecting in a deeper way with your family, or you just have some free time, Babbel teaches bite-sized language lessons that you'll actually use in the real world. For me, being a Canadian that has moved down to Southern California, there's a lot of Spanish that's spoken around here, so I decided I wanted to learn Spanish. Babbel's 15-minute lessons make it the perfect way to learn a new language on the go. Other language apps use AI for their lesson plans, but Babbel lessons were created by over 100 language experts. Their teaching method has been scientifically proven to be effective. With Babbel, you can choose from 14 different language lessons, including Spanish, French, Italian, and German, and many others. There are so many ways to learn with Babbel. In addition to lessons, you can access podcasts, games, videos, stories, even live classes. Plus, it comes with a 20-day money-back guarantee. Start your new language learning journey today with Babbel. Right now, you can save up to 60% off your subscription when you go to babbel.com slash campia. That's babbel.com slash campia for up to 60% off your subscription. Babbel, language for life. And thank you to our friends Babbel for being a sponsor of this episode of the John Campia Show. Guys, don't forget... Our sponsors, when you support them, you actually support us. So check out the links to all of our sponsors and their promo codes at the top of the description of the video. And again, thank you to Babbel. All right, with that down, let's get into our main topics here today. And how do we select our main topics? This is important, guys. You guys come up with our main topics. Here's how. If you guys ever come across a big topic, issue, or story that you think we need to cover as a main topic here on the show, just go anytime, 24-7, over to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's absolutely free. Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on The John Campia Show. That down, Amy. What is our first main topic today? Our first topic today comes from Mark Wallace. A movie I've been looking forward to for a while now is the Sylvester Stallone movie Samaritan. However, my excitement got diminished yesterday when I heard the movie was skipping theaters and will now debut on Amazon Prime Video. Is this a case of Amazon, who now owns MGM, the studio behind Samaritan, making a Bob Chapek-like mistake of dumping Pixar films onto Disney Plus? Or is this a bad sign for the movie? Would love to hear your thoughts. All right. Thanks a lot for saying that in, Mark. It's a bad sign for the movie. Um, Samaritan was a film that I think came out of nowhere and caught me by surprise at CinemaCon. Mm -hmm. When at CinemaCon, they showed us footage for this Sylvester Stallone superhero movie, Samaritan. And guess what? The footage was pretty good. Yeah. Now, it wasn't like they showed us 10 minutes of the movie, but they showed us like a sizzle of it. And it was looking pretty fun. And the idea, because I always thought Stallone would make a great Batman in a Dark Knight Returns story i always thought he'd be pretty good in that role but the idea that he's an old grizzled superhero who gave up the superhero life a long time ago he's now living anonymously and something drags him back out into the public eye again and it's stallone I, yeah that's a pretty decent idea and the footage they showed us was great remember they showed us this footage at CinemaCon, where they're showing the movies that are going to be in theaters and then it's been quiet a lot on the Samaritan front, which is which is fine. And then yesterday, find out it's going to be dropped on Amazon. There is only one explanation, and that's 
this movie did not turn out as well as we thought, and we don't think it'll do well in theaters. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's it. There's there's no other explanation. This was conceived of and planned to be a theatrical movie, hence why they brought it to CinemaCon. But I guess in the year since, as they actually got the movie pieced together and started to get the final edit together, they my guess is they looked at it and went, yeah, this didn't work so well. John? Yeah. It has nothing to do with it being prime day today. And I'm pretty sure <laughs> I don't think it has anything well, to do with today. Be, Amazon, <laughs> if it was dropping today on Prime Day, maybe a little bit. I forgot it's Amazon Prime Day. I got to see what kind of TVs I can buy. So the the whole idea of they, it was planned as a, a theatrical release. They started to market it as a theatrical release. A year passes and they're like, yeah, we, we don't think this is going to make any money. Amazon Prime, everybody. It's going to Amazon <laughs> Prime. Woo. Well, that... That aside, they did release some new images as well as including a new poster. I don't know. Do we got the poster there, Jonathan? Uh, uh, I hope we have the poster it's, it's there. In so. the, it's in the quote. If, yeah, here we go. Is it in? Okay, yeah. well, well, there's a look at the poster, which is actually pretty good. I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. I, lo- I like the look of that a lot. And speaking of the quote, let's go over. This is what they said from the good folks over at, who was that there? It's CBR who wrote the following. Action movie icon Sylvester Stallone's original superhero film, Samaritan, unveiled its first poster and production stills ahead of its summer release on Prime Video. Shared by Prime Video, the film's poster shows Stallone's mysterious character, Mr. Smith, walking down a rainy alley. A large puddle at his feet has a reflection of what appears to be the character's superhero alter ego in full black costume with a symbolic S icon on his chest. Not to be confused with Superman, of course. Uh, The production still includes Stallone's Mr. Smith in action as he uses his superhuman strength to save a bullied kid, while another shows Mr. Smith in a conversation with Sam Cleary. The final still shows Mr. Smith in an industrial location where he is confronted by an apparent bad guy holding a sledgehammer to his face. And again, that comes from the folks over at CBR. So, yeah. I mean, I like the poster. The poster's pretty good. And do we have any of the stills there? Yeah. I think they should be on the website there. I put them in there, too. If we're able to, to bring those up. Sure. But the stills look pretty good, too. And, and the description kind of messes up. This, that's one of those iconic where they're probably all on top of him, and he stands up uh, every superhero <laughs> movie, Hercules movie. Although it does look like a song and dance yeah, number. It looks, it looks like, like some of Lin-Manuel Miranda <laughs> dance Not number right there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm back! What was the song that you said they sing before they start getting in a fight in that uh, movie, West Side Story? <laughs> oh, Danny Boy. Oh, not, not Danny Boy. What is it? Stay cool, Stay boy. cool, boy. When you're a jet. <laughs> when when a you're a jet, you're a in jet. In my pocket. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's Stay a cool song and dance, man. I mean, so some... Look, I, I got to tell you, after I saw... Uh, and by the way, that is not a real sledgehammer because you couldn't hold a real sledgehammer like that. That guy's wrist would be broken. Anyway. <laughs> unless he's a superhero. Uh, unless he's superpowered. I'm just saying it's a, it's a prop. It's clearly a prop. But I... When they showed us the footage to this, like I wasn't thinking this is going to win any Academy Awards, but I was thinking this looks fun. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to go to a movie theater and watch this in a dark room with a giant screen and 200 other strangers enjoying it. Uh, but apparently not so much. Okay, still, I think the images look good. I really like the poster. I'm not going to lie. I'm still looking forward to seeing this movie, but my enthusiasm has taken a little bit of a hit knowing that they've decided to drop it on streaming instead. Anyway, Amy, you see this. What's your thoughts? 
I'm going to be honest. It's not really doing it for me. Mm. I can't put my finger on it. it just it, it, nothing about this is really exciting. Which is maybe why they're dropping it on Amazon. Me personally. They said Amy doesn't want it. <laughs> uh, no, I, I maybe, I don't know. Maybe I'm just getting a bit, even just like with the last season of The Boys being so good, I feel like I'm getting like a little like edgy superheroed out. And that might be a little bit of my my lack of enthusiasm. Um I do find it surprising that that they just made that pivot, just especially with a name like that attached. It, it feels like a weird move, but uh, it reminds me of Cloverfield Paradox a little bit. <laughs> oh okay. no! I wow, mean, it's not bar. quite as sudden as that, <laughs> at saying. least. Yeah. Oh no, John. What do you think about this? Well, look, I think like you, I think someone probably looked at this movie. I don't think necessarily this is a a, a commentary on the quality of the film. I think people are just like. Uh, when we have the boys and we have all this other stuff, is this going to provide a theatrical bang for the buck that audiences want to see when they can see Spider-Man No Way Home or they can go see Doctor Strange? Or, I mean, I think probably somebody looked at it and said, yeah, I don't think audiences are going to flock to this. And those that do aren't going to speak well of it because it's not providing these thrills that other superhero movies are providing. So maybe, I, look, I'm trying to be optimistic. Maybe that Amazon was the right place for it because they didn't want to spend $30 million marketing this movie. They knew they couldn't get but an audience But wouldn't to go. they have known that a year ago when they were marketing it as being a theatrical Well, yeah, movie? I mean, and this movie's been in production for like three years ago or something. I mean, it's, I think they shot it pre-pandemic. I think yes. I saw it had a lot of pushback because of, like it was supposed to be released earlier. Yeah, kind yeah. Of and, and look, it is Stallone. Maybe it's going to get a huge foreign release. But yeah. I mean, look, all I can ask is that it looks like a lower budget character study movie and maybe they just thought it couldn't flourish in the theatrical environment but as you know i think all movies i, I mean especially in the heels of morbius maybe huh. i mean which maybe should have gone straight to streaming yeah i i mean again i'm, I'm gonna hope it's good i Fing- like the first thing crossed. i know ray what do you think i had a question did didn't rambo's uh, the last rambo drop on amazon no it no it was no, theatrical because that's where i watched it and as traumatizing as that movie was I didn't think it was that bad. No, I liked it. The kills yeah, in no, it were I, kind of uh, gory. And, uh, but it wow. didn't do that well. Yeah. yeah. It didn't do great. I mean, it was super violent. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. hyper. I, I had a decent time with it. I liked that movie. It was called Last Blood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Get it? Because the first one was called First Blood. <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. I'm disappointed. I was kind of looking forward to seeing this. Question is for you guys. What do you think? Are you interested in Samaritan? I still am. But... I got to admit, my enthusiasm taking a hit knowing that they didn't have faith in it and they've just dropped it on streaming when it was originally planned to be theatrical. Maybe you don't think that means anything. Whatever your thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and leave those thoughts there. Okay, guys. With that down, let's move on to main topic number two. Amy, what is our second main topic today? Our second topic comes to us from Michael DeWaters. Hi, John. So I saw Thor Love and Thunder over the weekend, and I had a good time, even though I don't think it was as good as Ragnarok. But I just read in Variety that Taika Waititi said he would come back to direct Thor 5 only if Chris Hemsworth does it. So, two questions. One, does that mean there's a chance someone else plays Thor other than Hemsworth? And two, having already done two Thor movies, should Waititi do another one? All right, thanks a lot for sending that in. That is a really interesting question. Because first of all, this all stems from an interview that Taika was doing. And he said some comments that does raise some questions. Actually, let's go over and take a look at that right now. This comes to us from the folks at Variety. In talking to Taika Waititi, and this is what he said, Thor Love and Thunder ends with a post-credit message that confirms that Thor will be back. 
but it remains to be seen whether that's a fifth standalone movie or an Avengers-style team-up movie. Taika Waititi recently told Insider that he had no idea Marvel was adding that title card to the end of the movie. Although, he would return to direct his third Thor movie as long as leading star Chris Hemsworth is also involved. That was a surprise to me, too. I'm not joking, Watiti said of Marvel uh, confirming Thor's future return. I saw that in the theater. I was like, oh, shit, really? <laughs> Even Chris was like, what? <laughs> but of course, he'll be back. He's the best character. So that comes us from there. First of all, it's interesting that does the director... I, I, look, I've said for a long time, for everybody that complains about studio interference... It's a collaborative thing. It's their movie. No studio interferes more than Marvel. Never have, never will. That is the ultimate interference. This is a great example of that. Collaboration. The director was sitting in the movie and something was in the movie he had no idea was even a part of it. I mean, granted, we're only talking about end credits, but he's the director of the film. And there's something they put in that he didn't even know was going to be there. That's just a nice little example of just exactly how much the studio interferes with their movies. Now, when the movies turn out to be great, as the vast majority of the MC movies have, we don't call it interference. We call it collaboration. When the movie doesn't turn out well, then we call it interference. But it's really tomato-tomato. It's the same thing. You're right. When he says, I will do Thor 5 if Chris Hemsworth is a part of it, you'd be forgiven if that raises your eyebrows. It, wait, could there be a Thor 5 without Chris Hemsworth? I honestly, even though it does come out sounding like that a bit, I don't think that's what he was implying at all. No. Um, even Chris Hemsworth saying, wait, what? Like, I don't think that was implying anything at all. I think it's clear. Like Taika even said at the end of his comment, right? Of course, Chris is going to be back. He's the best character. He's going to be there. Of course, he will be. Now, I have said for a long time that I think directors need to move off of franchises after they've done it for a bit. Like, I don't think it's a coincidence that... The third, Sam Raimi's third Spider-Man film was the weakest. I think you're just on one property for too long. I think it starts to sap your creativity. You need to do it the way Christopher Nolan does it. Do the franchise movie, go do another movie. Then come back and he does another Batman movie. Then it goes off and makes a different movie. Then he comes back and makes another Batman movie, right? Taika Waititi is kind of following that pattern. He's doing a Thor movie and he's going off and doing Next Goal Wins or he's doing Jojo Rabbit or he's doing, you know, whatever. He's doing other projects. He's got a Star Wars project. He's doing, he's got up next. So, I mean, I am perfectly good because I love Ragnarok. I liked Love and Thunder, only the third best Thor movie to me, <laughs> but still, I, I liked it. But I think I would also be okay if he didn't come back to do Thor 5. Now, if he wanted to course correct a bit, and, you know, we talked about this, Rob, that Thor Love and Thunder was like 80% silly, 20% serious. I would have liked to see more of a 65-35 mix. If he wants to come back and do Thor 5 and bring it a little bit back more to the ratio that Ragnarok was, cool. But he's done two. One of them is absolutely bloody fantastic. I'd be okay if another director came in and did a fifth one. So do I think he will? Yes. And here's why I think he will. Because I don't think Chris Hemsworth is going to do another one without Taika Waititi. I really don't. Mm. I think Chris Hemsworth has fallen back in love with this character because of Taika Waititi. I think he loves working with Taika Waititi. He gushes about Taika Waititi all the time. And honestly, unless Taika Waititi said to Hemsworth, dude, you got to do another Thor movie, but I got a few other things I want to do, but you should still absolutely do it. Maybe, but I, 
I have a feeling why well, I would be okay if Taika Waititi did not do five and instead focused on other new creative ventures. I have a feeling he will do it because I think Chris Hemsworth's going to want him to do it. So I don't know. Rob, you hear Taika Waititi's comments. Do you think he should be back to do Thor 5? Do you think he will be back to do Thor 5? What do you make of this? Well, I mean, clearly he's a great filmmaker. But I I really thought Thor Love and Thunder was unbalanced, you know, in terms of its comedy and its its pathos. Well, I like the film, and I'll tell you, and I'll completely agree it was unbalanced. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was unbalanced. And I, I think it was unbalanced to its, the film's own detriment. You know, you could have had everybody be in the same place but they could have added a little bit more you know gravitas and pathos to all of it but it's still the comedy was effectively delivered you know and and if he had an idea i i would like to see a sort of a fusion of the two if he's going to come back and do one i could see him doing it it really depends on the box office i think if this film keeps performing we'll know we'll have a better picture into the second weekend if it makes a lot of money again and it doesn't drop very far, but if over the course of the next three or four weeks we see that it has a substantial drop-off, maybe he should move on. But I think Chris Hemsworth will absolutely be back. Amy, what do you think of this? You know, I was originally, and I love Taika Waititi. I'm a huge fan. But but having seen Love and Thunder and having felt a little more lukewarm about it than I did about Ragnarok, my initial response is like, maybe we pass this off to someone else until I remembered kind of where we left Thor at the end of this story. And I think right. where we're going, and I'm going to try to do this as unspoilery as possible, but where we're going with that character and where he's going and sort of where his journey's going, to me, that suddenly starts feeling like something Taika Waititi could really knock out of the park. And, right. you know, he said, and I know he's joking, but he's like, I want to do it. Let's do a $5 million movie where they just like go on a road trip and there's like no fight. But honestly, like I would watch the hell. Out I of would that. watch yeah. the hell out of that. So but like <laughs> that energy of like, let's take a little step back into just something really charming and fun and a little more you know, character and story driven. And again, especially with sort of what we've left Thor with at the end of uh, this last movie. I, I know there's still going to be fights. I know it's going to be a bigger budget. I'm not going, yeah, we're getting that next. But I, I think a little step back into that type of energy, it, it could be really good if and probably when he comes back. All right, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this? Taika Waititi says he'll come back and do Thor 5 as, if Hemsworth does it, but should he at this point? I mean, this is an Academy Award-winning filmmaker with stuff with Jojo Rabbit, I see what does Star Wars. Maybe he it's time for him to move on from the Thor project, or maybe there's no way Hemsworth does it if he if he does move on. I don't know. Whatever you guys think about this, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, and before we get into our next topic here today, we want to take a second to thank another sponsor of today's episode, one of the original sponsors of the John Cabe Show, our friends at Upside. From cringing at the pump to getting an eye-popping check at your favorite restaurant, inflation is hitting us all where it hurts. And it really hurts. That's why you should start using Upside. Upside is an incredible app for anyone who buys gas, groceries, or dines out. With every purchase, you'll earn cash back thanks to Upside. Every time you leave the house, you can use Upside. The app is incredibly easy to use. It isn't too good to be true. You can use it yourself and see that it works. Upside is a no-brainer. What do you plan to do with all your cash back? 
To get started, download the free Upside app in the App Store or Google Play. Use our promo code CAMPIA and get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. Next, claim an offer for whatever you're buying on Upside. Check in at the business, pay as usual with a credit card or debit card, and get paid. In comparison to credit card rewards or loyalty programs, you can earn three times more cash back with Upside. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Upside users are earning more than a million dollars every week. That's probably why they have a 4.8 star rating on the App Store. Download the free Upside app and use promo code CAMPIA to get $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more. That's $5 or more cash back on your first purchase of $10 or more using the promo code CAMPIA. And thank you to our friends at Upside for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. Okay, guys, with that down, let's get into main topic number three. Amy, what is our third main topic today? Our third topic comes to us from Domino5. I had to do a double take for a second when I saw that Jurassic World Dominion was hitting streaming this week. The movie still made almost $9 million at the box office this past weekend. Why would Universal throw millions of dollars away by putting the movie on streaming now? It doesn't make any sense as far as I can tell. Help me understand, Obi-John Kenobi. All right, thanks a lot for sending that in, Domino5. And yeah, okay, love or hate Jurassic World Dominion. <laughs> I had to do a little bit of a double take myself when I looked at the box office because I don't know I don't know why in my head in my head canon I had this thought that oh Jurassic World's probably made somewhere around 400 500 it's closing in on 900 million dollars it, it, it's it's made well north of 800 million dollars and I was like wait a minute it made that much now it's a little lower than some of the previous installments but with all the divided reaction to it I I don't know I just had in my head that it was much lower and this weekend, it made just a hair under $9 million this weekend. Was that domestic? I, yes. Yeah, it was domestic, just domestic alone. Made almost $9 million this weekend. But on July 15th, a couple of days from now, they are still going to put it out on streaming. In a couple of days. While this thing is still making money in theaters to the tunes of millions of dollars, they're still going to put it out when they originally said they were going to be. This comes to us from the folks over at Slash and write the following. If you're one of those people who want to watch the movie again, you won't have to wait much longer for Jurassic World Dominion to arrive at home. Universal Pictures has announced that the film will arrive on digital and on-demand platforms on July 15th. The date for the film's physical media release has not been announced, and neither has a date for the streaming debut, but it will be online and able for on-demand. Here's the thing I don't get. Whatever money you're going to make when you release this thing on video on demand, you will make in three weeks. Like a lot of people, there are going to be a bunch of people that go online and rent this. Sure. Or even buy it digitally. They would still rent it or buy it in three weeks or two weeks. But the box office money you are going to throw away now is money you can't recover later. That's like literally millions of dollars, probably in the double digits, that you are sacrificing for this. And I don't now look, it, it could have something to do with the fact that maybe the studio didn't think the movie was going to have this kind of legs. Maybe the licensing agreements were already in stone and maybe they had no choice but to now release it at this date. That all could be the case. Those would all be very, very valid reasons. 
But even if it is, it does kind of denote a shame that the fact that they are literally going to lose out on millions and millions of dollars as a result of doing this. And I, I'm quite surprised the movie's still making the money that it is. And maybe Universal is too. And that's fine. But it's again, it's unfortunate. Rob, you see the situation. What do you think? Look, man, we say on the show all the time, I'm a firm believer of theatrical releases add value to films. However much they make. I mean, especially a movie like this, who's to say another two or three weeks wouldn't put it over the billion dollar mark. And it's still out. The only thing I can think about, the only thing that makes any sense to me is they've run the numbers based on the, how much money money they're making worldwide. And they think by putting out, because still video on demand and and um, VOD and digital, people still have to pay for it. You know, they still have to rent it or buy it, which is good money. So maybe they've now got to the point where w they think that they're going to make it, the same amount or even more than they would at the box office. Some right. kind of analysis has led them to say, okay. But they still would have made that money if they had launched it on demand two or right. three weeks from now, but, right? right? Yeah, but maybe they think there's some kind of a crossover. I don't presume to know. I don't understand. I'm like, why wouldn't you? $9 million is nothing to shake a stick at. You just know, domestic. I was looking this weekend. You know, Top Gun didn't just break a billion dollars. It's at $1.125 billion. I think it's at $1.18 now, billion yeah, now. I mean, this is that's a lot of money. You're clocking millions of dollars a day and you're going to not it seems strange to me i i don't presume to understand it i really don't because i like you said john leave it in the theater for two or three more weeks maybe it'll make five million next weekend three million the next that's domestic and then you drop it on video on demand and still make every dollar you would yeah, have anyway you, you might be able to pocket another 20 mil worldwide why let that go i don't know amy I, you hear about this what stands out to you yeah it almost feels like they're uh and and again I, I have no idea what's going on behind closed doors here because it is a strange decision. It almost feels like we're seeing some of the fallout from that, like when everything had to go directly to video on demand and it was like people aren't going to go back to theaters. Now, You're clear, probably 100% right. Clearly yeah. they are, but I'm wondering if studios to some degree are kind of panicking and going, let's try to figure out what that sweet spot is. If there are people who are going, I love I love watching this in my my PJs and taking a pee break like you know if they're if they're really going you know, that makes me pee like a good velociraptor <laughs> well, I, I think, well when you get too scared <laughs> I think you might absolutely be right about that I think that's a very astute comment to make they might have had a deal in place already let's just say like maybe like long before the movie ever came out maybe this licensing deal was in place maybe they didn't think the movie was going to have this kind of legs uh, I mean I suppose again but even if that's the case and it's and it's legit it's a shame that they are going to be leaving millions of dollars on the table. Especially, you know, we just did a story yesterday where we're talking about what's going to make money for the rest of the summer. You know, and this is one of the behemoths of the summer. Mm -hmm. And there isn't a behemoth like this for the rest. So why not leave it in theaters? Please, I want to know, John, what's the answer? <laughs> uh, I have the answer for you guys. You oh, do? thank you, Ray. I know why. As in most things 100%. in life. Ray has the answer. Do you know how many OLED TV bundles they're going to sell today on Prime Day? A lot of them. <laughs> People are going to need a movie to watch. They need to be there. Jurassic. So they, they're, they're doing this with Prime Day. I have a feeling everything that comes out today is because of Prime Day. We had Common Sense, Samaritan, Jurassic, the Great Dominion. Prime Day Conspiracy. <laughs> great Prime Day Conspiracy. It's all connected. Anyway, guys, question is, were you? What do you think about this? Did you see Jurassic World Dominion? Did you like it? Are you going to be rushing to watch it at home as well? Maybe you never had a chance. What do you think of the fact that they're going to sacrifice millions of dollars of its theatrical run in order to get it out now? Whatever you guys think, jump down to the comment section below and leave your thoughts there. Okay, guys. With that down, let's get into main topic number four. Amy, 
What is our fourth main topic today? Our fourth topic today comes to us from Daniel W. Greetings and salutations, everyone. I just saw that Thor Love and Thunder opened with $143 million, uh, which puts it more than $20 million ahead of Thor Ragnarok. Is this? Oh, you oh know that's this old. Is, this is oh, the wrong one. I'm having so deja sorry, vu guys. over here. I may have not seen. Oh, I'm All right. Sorry. You know what? Do you, uh, I have it here. I will read the viewer email I'm here. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, Amos writes... Uh, I guess we don't have a graphic for it. Amos writes, Hello, John and team. My eyes were filled with wonder and delight this morning (laughs) when I woke up to find Mandalorian Season 3 teaser leaked online. It feels so much bigger than any of the previous seasons. So many, uh, so many Mandalorians. Uh, The shot of the Star Destroyer was incredible. Baby Yoda piloting the ship. So many things to take in. It really feels like a full-blown Star Wars movie. What did you and the team think of the new teaser? All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in, Amas. All right. So <laughs> this is not really a new teaser. Um, this is a teaser they actually showed a month ago at Star Wars Celebration mm-hmm. at a panel, but they, they did not release it publicly. So I didn't see it. I went to Star Wars Celebration, <laughs> pardon me, but I didn't go to that panel. So I, I've never seen it. I've read some descriptions about it and all that kind of stuff, but I, I never saw it myself. So this morning, my inbox is filled with all these links to YouTube videos of of somebody had put it up online. Which, by the way, side note to my friends at Disney, just upload it now. <laughs> just yeah. upload the full high res, beautiful version you want people to that to be their first experience with it. You don't want what I saw to be the first experience with it. No. Uh, but hey, you know what? It's still fun to watch. So, uh, so get ahead of this thing. Put this thing out there. So, I got to tell you, look, I had all the faith in the world that Mandalorian season three was going to be really good, and we've seen lots of trailers to shitty movies and TV shows. I understand that. This teaser was outstanding. Oh my god, it was so good. And Rob, you and I were talking a little bit before the show started today, and because you had watched it, and I said, The Mandalorian's fantastic, and it definitely is in Star Wars. But I said, This teaser feels like Star Wars. That's exactly what I said. Right? Yeah. It it just it has that, whether it's like all these Mandalorians doing like the the Halo jump out of the plane dropping down battle first of all you're right Amos so many Mandalorians like so many and battle and conflict and stuff like that because I said it I have no insider information at the end of last season I said well the next season is going to be about taking back Mandalore that's what this is going to be about and I for one cannot wait and everything from like one of the things missing from this Mandalorian Star Wars show is a lot of stars, not a lot of space stuff. But the very fact that we saw a lot of piloting going on as well, lots of Mandalorians going into battle. I mean, obviously Grogu being in there. It just, it sent chills through me watching it. And now again, I understand this, the this, this season might be shit. It might be awful. Maybe it is. And maybe this is, just, we've seen lots of great trailers and terrible stuff. I know. I'm just saying this teaser was pretty effing good and it, it excited me. You know, it excited me the way the, the Andor trailer excited me, but, but in a different way, again, the epicness of it, it just felt like 
it was a return of the Jedi. It was, it was a, a new hope. It, it just, it felt like it was on this grand scale and everything I've wanted this show to kind of build up to. It feels like it's going to do that. And again, I know the shit, the show might be terrible. Maybe it will. But this trailer I thought was great. Amy, you had a chance to t check it out. What did you think about it? Like I said, I completely agree that it, it just made me go, oh, this this feels this feels like a Star War to me. <laughs> uh, looked so satisfying and so fun. I feel like there's just been occasionally a lack of sort of just that fun energy of like that original trilogy. And to me, this got me excited on that same level. And like you said. Could could uh, could down the line be going, nope, we were wrong. But, uh, you know, we've talked a bit about how it really feels like this and Andor uh, Andor. Yeah. yeah. Are uh, like kind of the big hopeful spots in Star Wars right now, at least for me personally, as someone where I'm like, I like Star Wars. There have been enough missteps that like I'm not as hyped about it as I'd like to be. So to me, it's like if, if they can nail this and kind of have some of that fun, just classic Star Wars energy and then Andor that kind of feels like a little more HBO drama action. I think it could be a really exciting time to be a Star Wars fan again. Nelson. I get, look, I'll be the first to admit, like we thought, I didn't think the Obi-Wan trailer was as good as this, but we thought the Obi-Wan trailer was really good. I ended up being a little bit disappointed in, in Obi-Wan. Uh, I thought the Boba Fett trailer was, was quite good. Not as good as this, but I thought it was quite good. Ended up being disappointed in Boba Fett. The difference though here is that we actually have a track record with Mandalorian. Like unlike Obi-Wan, we have a season one of Mandalorian mm -hmm. and a season two of Mandalorian. We know that this show is good. Yeah. So that's why I think maybe it gets me a little bit extra excitement about it. I don't know. Rob, what did you think about Teaser? Well, you know, John, for me, it's always about story. Right. I want some intellectual, interesting story being told. And, you know, this trailer says to me, there's a story going on here that I want to see. Now, like you pointed out and you pointed out, this looks like we now return to Star Wars, already in progress, you know, yes. and 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 we know that this could be about the the, the retaking of Mandalore because I've got to go bathe in the waters of the minds of Mandalore or whatever to be a true Mandalorian, and and the the character motivations have already been kind of set up. We know what direction we're traveling in in a way, and everything about that is interesting because we haven't seen it before. We don't know what's going to happen, and it looks like there's lots of mayhem and lots of stuff going on, and I'm like. I'm in. You know, you've got me in because I want to know what the, the story that looks to be told. You can show me Star Destroyers and I'll get excited. Show me TIE Fighters. Show me uh, Naboo Starfighters that are falling apart. I get excited. But you tell me a Star Wars story that I've not heard before that looks like it's good, then I get really excited. You show me that baby. I love that baby. Mandalore 2, you, you, there, there's, and understand, like, there's a division in Mandalore as well. So you could have a little bit of Game of Thrones in mm, there. Yeah, man. You could have a, a little bit of whatever, yeah, right? You know, I didn't, I didn't watch the teaser, but as a, we were, I was going over the story. I, I didn't, I forgot to do the email. So sorry about that, guys. <laughs> but going through the pictures of the last time we've seen Mandalorian, which was on Book of Boba Fett. I just started getting like goosebumps again because, like, <laughs> man, he, 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 his presence is really, really dope. The, 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 the whole the suit, just like now him having the dark saber. I really want to see a fight like we saw in the book of Boba Fett when he went up against the heavy, the heavy yeah. Mando. Yeah. Uh, if we get lots of that, I'm, I'm on. I'm on board. I can't wait to see where this journey is going to take us. I'm not going to lie to you. When, when I get in my car at the end of the day. I have it set up that my phone instantly starts playing 
um, the Mandalorian theme. It just starts. It just starts playing the Mandalorian thing, and I, I get chills thinking about it. I can't wait to get yeah. back to the show. Anyway, guys, question is for you: Did you have a chance to see this teaser that that got leaked online, and apparently a lot of people saw? If not, I'm sure Disney will put it up soon. Now that it's been kind of leaked out there, I don't know why they don't have it online at this point already. Anyway, but anyway, what did you think about it? Whatever your thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and leave those thoughts there. Okay, guys, with all that down, we're going to move into our live questions here in just a second. So we're going to open up the Super Chats now. Super Chats are now open. If you don't see them open, just go ahead and refresh your page. You'll probably see them open up there. Fire them on in, and we'll get to those in just a second. Remember, we only keep it open for a few minutes, so try to get them in quickly. Uh, but for now, we're going to second to go to hear from another one of the sponsors of our uh, show today. Which sponsor did we say we're, we got next? What's that? Policy Genius. Oh, that's right, because I was almost said Upside again, but we did Upside already. Our friends at Policy <laughs> Genius. In these tumultuous times, life insurance can offer peace of mind that anyone who relies on you financially, a child, a parent, or even a business partner, will have a financial cushion if something happens to you. Policy Genius is an insurance comparison website that makes it easy to compare quotes from top companies like AIG and Prudential in one place to find your lowest price. You could save 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes with Policy Genius. Just click the link in the description or head to policygenius.com backslash campia to get personalized quotes in minutes and find the right policy for your needs. The licensed agents at Policy Genius work for you, not the insurance companies. They're on hand through the entire process to help you understand your options so you can make decisions with confidence. Policy Genius doesn't add on extra fees. Your personal info is private. Policy Genius doesn't sell your details to third parties. Policy Genius has thousands of five star reviews across Google and Trustpilot. Policy Genius has options that offer coverage in as little as a week and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Since 2014, Policy Genius has helped over 30 million people shop for insurance and placed over $150 billion in coverage. Head to policygenius.com backslash campia to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. And thank you to our friends at Policy Genius for sponsoring this episode of the John Campia Show. Okay, guys, with that down, let's go to your live question. We're going to start off with, uh, I think we got one or two from yeah. our live, from our uh, channel members, right? We got one from the man with the master plan. He says, hey, Campia crew. First, welcome, Amy. You're Thank doing a good job. Thank you. Second, I look forward to the season finale of Miss Marvel. Game day. Oh, yes. It's game day. Finally, look forward to all the ladies show or to the all ladies show. <laughs> Chris, get well soon. Yeah, I am. Uh, obviously, that's not going to happen tomorrow because Aaron is still on vacation in Mexico and Chris is still uh, recovering at home. But hopefully in the coming weeks, we'll be able to do that. Um, yeah, I, I forgot with everything else going on and with I'm going to that premiere tonight. Totally forgot that after the premiere, I get to go home and watch the finale of Ms. Marvel. I am. I'm a little skeptical just because you're not going to look. They're not going to be able to satisfactorily wrap up this series in one episode left. They're just not. But I've loved this show so far. So I am very excited about watching the next episode. Again, keep your eyes open. We're going to, of course, do an open spoiler discussion on it tomorrow. All right, what's next? Okay, we got one last one from Slarf. He just wrote in and said, hey, everyone saw Love and Thunder this weekend. I really enjoyed myself. Out of the six phase, phase four movies they've released, I still have Eternals and No Way Home at the top. I Did you say that Eternals has been trending the last couple of days? On, on Twitter, it's been like one of the big trending things on Twitter. Just everybody just 
all of a sudden are starting to appreciate Eternals. I think, look, I don't think Eternals is one of the stronger MCU movies, and it certainly didn't live up to the hype. You remember going in, like, yep. there were some Marvel people saying, this is the best movie Marvel has ever made. It certainly didn't live up to that. But I do think Eternals is underrated. I do, too. I, I, I like that quite a bit. I'm a fan. Right. What's next? Oh, yeah. Now we're going to the Super Chats now. Yep. Okay. What do we got in the Super Chats, Amy? Uh, we have uh, the, Richard. the Richard. Yep. And, and then Isaiah, Isaiah S. Thank you, guys. Super you those in. James Argenta said, the final season of Better Call Saul reminds me of Game of Thrones, but in the real world. No one is safe. Plus, the goat Carol Burnett is guest starring in show. I'm not totally caught up. What? Carol Burnett is in it? That's craziness. That is heavy. Again, I am like, I am like three seasons behind. So I, no relation. No relation to Meyer Burnett. I, I am like three seasons behind on that, but I like everybody's just talking about how great the show has gotten. We like don't deserve how sh- good that show ended up being. Really? I just feel no, I just truly feel like it was like, oh, I guess that'll be cool. Like no one was quite sure of it. And they just they I think they just completely pulled it out. Like right. I think. What's next? So good. Uh, we have Caden. My favorite comic series, The Death of Captain America, complete collection showed up today. So stoked. Also, that effing M3 teaser was amazing. LFG. What is M3? Oh, Mandalorian. Okay, guys, yeah. guys, don't write in acronyms, please. It, it was amazing. <laughs> it was absolutely amazing. Like, I, I was watching this just wishing I could watch it in actual 1080p. Yeah, or 4K. Or, or 4K, whatever. <laughs> There's definitely one moment where the audience cheered and my boyfriend and I were like, what what was it? I, I mean, couldn't I'll, quite. I'll, I'll take 720. I'll, I'll take yeah. 720. Give yeah. me 720. I'll be perfectly happy. You're right, man. It was really, really good. All right, what's next? Uh, Michael Bradley says, hello, John. After watching Doctor Strange 2 again, my biggest question that will probably not be answered is, how screwed is the 838 universe? No Illuminati, Mordo in charge, 838 Wanda scapegoat? Uh... I don't think we'll ever know. <laughs> I mean, whenever you get these movies and TV shows that do like all other, otherly dimensional things, they never really bother to check in with the other dimension. The one exception to that would be Star Trek with the with the uh, what's what's the mirror universe. The mirror universe. Star Trek will go back and visit the mirror universe once again, but that's about it. And all the other movies and TV shows, eh, whatever happens there <laughs> happens there. All right, what's next? Alex Mata said, "Not only Mando, but the Ahsoka trailer leaked. I think they'll drop both. Tra- uh, think they'll drop both trailers. Hype for both. I did not know the uh, Ahsoka one. Neither did I. So I haven't seen that. Listen, everybody knows I've never liked the Ahsoka tr- character. I started to have a little bit of an appreciation for her in Rebels, but when Rosario Dawson showed up playing Ahsoka, so- now I got invested in Ahsoka. Like now, I'm looking forward. I'm really looking forward to this show." And uh, I cannot wait to see that teaser. All right, what's next? Uh, Suthius said, Gun Second Guardians or Watiti Second Thor? Gun Second Guardians. Yeah. Uh, both not as good as the previous installments. Like Guardians 2 is not as good as Guardians 1. Thor Love and Thunder is not as good as Ragnarok. But I, I put Guardians 2 a little bit ahead. I do too. I like Guardians 2 a lot. It's not as good as Guardians 1, but I really like it. What about you? Oh, by a mile, Guardians. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah, I agree. All right, what's next? Uh, Jay Master said MCU Disney Plus Emmy nominations Loki 6 Emmys Moon Knight 8 Emmys Hawkeye 2 Emmys What If 3 Emmys which includes an Emmy for Chadwick Boseman voiceover work for T'Challa yeah I'm going to be honest with you one of the reasons I don't pay a lot of attention to the Emmys other than best drama series best comedy series right there's way too many categories there's a category for everything best (sighs) craft service of a limited series that aired in October. Like, seriously, there are so many little subcategories yeah. that 
a lot of them I don't even pay attention to it and I don't really think ultimately mean anything. But hey, if I worked in that industry, maybe I'd feel differently. But I just that's why I put like I like the Oscars have like like 25 categories. And they're all they all they're all logical, they all make sense. But yeah, that's one of the reasons I don't pay much attention to the Well, Emmys. that's why they have technical categories, right? For the Oscars. So Right. But the then you get into the Emmys that. and you get 32 areas of technical categories mm -hmm. yeah. yeah like that's and that's where it gets uh i do range. like that they split up comedy and drama though i think that oh is yeah absolutely 100 because those are the two definite genres of television yeah. for sure all right what's next uh king ghost said i saw gizmo took his master to disneyland nandor looks so happy it warmed my heart he's uh making is that, fun of a uh, mandalorian right or is that a what we is that what we do in the shadows oh reference oh gizmo yeah Gizmo. that yeah that they, of course they refer to him as gizmo sorry bring that up again now that i know I mean, we're did they go about, to disneyland so disneyland or looks so happy we're, i don't know what we're i is there some kind of is there but an in ad theory i'm delighted by it yes is there an ad for that somewhere is, that, is it a commercial we're talking about i don't know but i'd like to see it if it is all right what's next uh hayden wilson said rob's voice on the sponsor video sounds like god Rob's got a voice made for radio, man. Well, I have to tell you that uh, I did do the voice of Moses in Tango Shalom. That's right. I forgot about that. Did do a little, you know, so perhaps I am God. I don't know. <laughs> All right. What's next? Thanks, though. Uh, Amin said, if you were in charge of Netflix, what would you do? Uh, I would uh, stop spending ridiculous amounts of money on original films that don't get me returned. That's and the main thing. bring back Mindhunter. And bring back Mindhunter. All right, what's yeah, next? Last yeah, season man. of Glow, goddammit. Uh, Stubble McShave said, Marcel, the show with shoes on, has a 99% critic and 98% uh, audience score. Both Marcel and Mad God look highly original. Make sure to check them out. Mm. Give me honest oh. with you. Still haven't even watched the trailer. And I know Chris Carr is somewhere right now screaming at <laughs> screaming at me through her monitor, but I still have not even seen the trailer, and you, I and I need because everybody's saw, raving about it. Did you see it? I didn't. I I I want to. I, I have this weird thing where Marcel the shell with shoes on is so cute. It like hurts. Like <laughs> like the trailer. I was like, I just want to cry. Just this little baby. Like and and so I need to be like um, more than like a sad movie. I need to be emotionally prepared to go in because I know I'm it, just gonna be like bawling the entire movie. It's a twenty four, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Between everything, everywhere, all the one, all at once, Mar Mar Marcel the Shell, a twenty four might have two of people's most favorite releases of the year. Yeah. Yeah. Because because love these movies. I mean, I love everything everywhere. By the way, still my number one film of the year. Shout out to Lisa at Lionsgate and the whole team. That physical media disc is awesome. It is chock-a-block full of awesome special features. We got some more info on that super chat. It was the actors from What We Do in the Shadows. They went to Disneyland, and uh, King Go says that he made a funny video where I took my master to Disneyland. Thing. Oh, that's oh, cute. I, would I, never, I never saw it. I would love to see it. That's great. All right, what's Delightful. next? Uh, Blaine Melvin said, Hi, Rob. What's your thoughts on Sofia Coppola's The Virgin Suicide? I watched it a month ago and loved it, but can't buy physical copy in Scotland. I really like The Virgin Suicides. I love the score by Air. Criterion, the Criterion Collection, put out a great Virgin Suicides Blu-ray. So, All right. I don't know why. Are you Scottish people? Are you banning your... <laughs> Your, your movie. I mean, it's seriously, maybe because of the subject matter, they don't allow it in country. Oh, maybe. I don't know. It's great. Criteria. I mean, you and I know there's like when it comes to territorial rights, there's always a, it's always a yep. tangled, tangled web. Right. So it could be something. But it could be because it is glorifying suicide. Well, it's not really. It's, you know, 
suicide. Yeah, Scotland gets edgier stuff than that. So True. I don't know. We'll They're see. actually offended by the virgin part. Yeah, that's Maybe. the part. Yeah, that's what? Yeah, they're <laughs> virgins in Scotland. What's next? Uh, Al Rensha said, Homelander looking at Netflix. You are disappointing. Homelander tones, turns to HBO Max, Apple, and Disney. Not you. You're great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love that. I, I don't know. I think that was from season one of The Boys when he just turns to Black Noir. Not you, Noir. You're great. I mean, that, that's, I just, I remember I was so charmed by that. And oh, which, made what happened in the finale so heartbreaking mm. at, at the same time. Oh, so powerful. All right, what's next? Andy said, hearing the VFX story yesterday makes me feel worse for the VFX team that had to rework Sonic on the first Sonic film after the great negative outcry. Oh, but honestly, though, here's the thing. That wasn't that much effort. Because Look, there's. I'm not going to get too technical, but you get your model, right? But then you got to do the rigging which is basically you're setting up the bones inside the model and how figuring out how it's going to work. So you mm -hmm. got all the, the, basically the joints and everything that's going to make the animation possible. Then you actually have to do the animation. When they had to do the changeover in Sonic, all they really had to do was change the model and then just apply the model mm. to the existing, like the bones mm. and, and keep the animation and then re-render. Not an not a simple process that could be done overnight, not at all. But it wasn't nearly as exhaustive as, say, some other reworks had to have been. There's not just like a button that's like, oh, undo the human teeth. Yes, <laughs> yes. All right, what's next? Uh, Danito says, didn't think through my question yesterday. Obviously, Feige can't move Marvel himself without major and admittedly unrealistic contract negotiations. Though I do believe he has a ton of bargaining power and should push for more control, especially uh, with Zaslav at his door. This, of uh, OF, uh, of course, is all speculation. See, here's the thing, Danito. Like, you got to remember this. Kevin Feige is nothing more than an employee. That's it. He has no bargaining power. He is an employee. He has zero ownership. He has no control. He is an employee. In as much as he worked at a 7-Eleven. I mean, and that sounds right. He's got a very important job. Yep. <laughs> He's got a lot of, uh, you know, authority over the other employees. But Kevin Feige is nothing more, at the end of the day, an employee of the company. Mm. So he has zero control, zero leverage. He has, there is no way, unless Elon Musk went to him and said, here, Kev, take, here's $20 billion, buy it from Disney, uh, which I'm pretty sure Elon Musk is not going to do, because if he did, he would just back out of the deal two weeks later. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's the thing. There is a misinterpretation about how much power and leverage Kevin Feige has. He really doesn't have any. I don't know, Rob, how would you address well, no, that? No, that's exactly right. He doesn't own Marvel. <laughs> Like, you can't take it anywhere. Yeah. It's, it'd be like, as much as I might want to take Star Wars somewhere, I can't. Better yet, Star Trek, maybe Paramount will just give it to me. It's to CBS. You can't do that. He doesn't have any ownership. Like you said, he is an employee. A very important employee, very well-paid employee. Certainly somebody valued by the company. And he's not going anywhere. 
It's but like he can't Steve take Martin. Marvel with him. It's like Steve Martin in The Jerk. He's like, and I'm taking this lamp, and I'm taking my, my chair. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's next? Uh, Andy said, have you guys seen the HBO miniseries We Own This City? It's developed by the Wire creator David Simon and is based on a true story of police corruption. No, but I saw the previews for it, and I remember I was really intrigued by it. It's awesome. It's really, really good. And it's who? it's got somebody no, yeah, notable it's a, in it. Our, our favorite Punisher. You know, Thomas Jane? Tom, no. Well, is he your favorite pun? Is Thomas Jane your favorite pun? Well, no, I just thought yours uh, is. It, no, uh, our, John Berthold? Uh, oh, John Berthold. John Berthold. Listen, there have been a couple of really, like Thomas Jane, uh, the, the guy from Rome. Uh, who, uh, Ray. Oh, oh, yeah. Ray, Ray Stevenson. Ray, yeah. Like Ray Stevenson. That was a good like, that's my favorite Punisher thing, actually. Like uh, Punisher Warzone. Yeah. Is yeah, it's actually my favorite it, it's Punisher. It's really good. No one ever talks about it. I know. No, you they know, don't. And, and it's, I agree with you. It's really good. I really like Punisher Warzone a lot. All right. Anyway, what's next? Didn't even really address the question there. <laughs> oh, yeah. So what was it? Oh, yeah. No, we no. It, it's, again, okay. I haven't seen it, but I've heard it's, I've heard it's quite it's good. It's really good. And and it, it I, I didn't know it was based on a true story, though. But it's, you know, police corruption stories. It's really, really well. They're always fascinating. Always All right. Fascinating. What's next? Uh, Jay Masters said the Beatles Get Back docuseries directed by Peter Jackson received five Emmy nomination, which includes an Emmy for Peter Jackson for Best Director. Again, there were probably 12 or 13 Best Director categories. And, and so <laughs> I don't tend to pay a lot of attention to it. I, I get I'm not a Beatles guy and somewhere Scott Mance is screaming at me through his computer monitor. I'm not really a Beatles guy, so I never did watch it. Uh, did you watch the Beatles documentary? Yeah, it's incredible. It's is up. it good? It's but pretty, here's the yeah. thing. What's interesting about that credit to me is that, you know, that footage is 50 years old. Right. And so Peter Jackson wasn't there when it was shot. And I, I mean, I understand when you're a documentarian, you put footage together and you are the director. But it's kind of cool that, you know, he rescued this footage. And it's John as well, a, I've seen some of the remastered footage and it looks like it was shot yesterday. Yeah, as a song and dance camera. man, dude, I have to tell you, it is so fascinating watching them working. Uh, I, I it, it, it's like you're, I've never seen anything like it. And like you said, they've up the, I think it was 16 millimeter that was scanned at 4k and you're watching this. And then they put together the rooftop concert as a separate IMAX right. film. And it's like, it's such an invaluable look at this creative process. It's for, if no other reason, it's marvelous to see. I mean, right. It's like the web telescope version of the Beatles. <laughs> All right, what's next? Uh, Richard Cutts says, Salem's Lot is one of my most anticipated films. It was just delayed to April 2023. Really bummed. Yeah, heard about that. I They showed us a, a pretty decent preview for yeah. it at CinemaCon in which we went, wait a minute, this this looks pretty good. Um, so, yeah, I heard about the delay. I, I haven't heard any reasons for the delay yet. There was myself. reshoots in May. Or were there? Mm. Yeah, so they pro they did reshoots. I think it was in May. Pretty sure it was in May. So maybe they're just, you know, they wanted more time for post. All right, that makes sense. All right, what's next? Uh, seconds from Disaster said, bad signal on the lake yesterday. So my part two was that I loved Thor 4, but I was the only asshole cracking up the whole time. It was hilarious, <laughs> but... You're going to love this, but this second part didn't come through yet. Right. Oh, no! <laughs> Get off the lake! Well, and then even ended on a cliffhanger of, it was hilarious, it. It. but... He is seconds from Disaster. Oh, Ray's got it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but he said, but to be honest, it could have had a little less humor and more God butchering. Good <laughs> runtime. But a few things didn't make sense, which is okay. I had a great time. Yeah, look, I 
I feel the same way. I, I, I recognize and will complain a lot about certain, some of the shortfalls. Again, I feel a little thing they could have done was, and this doesn't spoil anything for anybody, they could have added one more scene of gore butchering a god. I think it would have added another emotional layer that would have covered over the entire rest of the film. It would have had a heightened sense of dread whenever he came on screen. And because we didn't actually see Gore do any God butchering yeah, in the movie. Stakes and, and I think just one extra scene with that could have made, I mean, it wouldn't have turned it into one of the top five comic book movies of all time. Don't get me wrong, but I think it would have made it a significant impact on the film. Had they just done that one little thing. All right, what's next? Uh, Andy said, why is Soldier Boy okay with killing his own son and grandson? Because family don't end in blood to Dean Winchester. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Dean ain't taking no guff. I don't care if you're my son or my grandson. Oh, God. Listen, that final confrontation before the fight started, the conversation between Homelander and Soldier Boy was awesome. Just when he puts his hand on his shoulder and says, you are such a disappointment. Mm. I'm like, oh my God, because this is the first time Homelander can ever have anybody standing next to him and, and speak to him like that, right? That was, oh, that was, oh, I love the final episode of The Boys. I loved it so much. I love this show. Okay, what's next? Uh, Troy Butler said, would you guys say the MCU is on life support or dying as a franchise? No, that's ridiculous. That's, okay, I'll go once. That was preposterous. It, it Let's see. Spider-Man No Way Home became the third biggest grossing film of all time. Doctor Strange nearly hit a billion dollars. The newest Thor movie just opened to the biggest opening the Thor franchise has ever had. Uh, A whole bunch of Emmy nominations going on. Now, look, I am the guy who keeps saying that I I do not think Phase 4 lives up to the previous phases. And I just made a whole video about the five problems that I believe are facing the MCU right now and the five problems they're suffering with right now. So I am well aware that I don't think, you guys got to know, I do not believe Marvel is firing on all cylinders right now. No doubt. But it's preposterous to say that it is dying or on life support. Like, that's just, that's a, that would be utterly ridiculous. I, to I think, too, that you have to you have to take into consideration the, the we as fans, what we want or expect from the movies and the actual business the movies are doing. So a lot of times we, we don't think that way. If we don't like a movie, we're like, this franchise is terrible. But if it still makes a billion dollars, is it, though? Because people are going. Yeah. All right. What's next? Jerome said, think Butcher could have still killed Homelander without Ryan getting hurt? No. I, I think the joy or the hero gasm scene kind of showed that Butcher was not, would not be capable of taking out Homelander himself. So no, I don't think Butcher could have taken him out. Mm-hmm. All right. What's next? Uh, the irrelevant actor said, game day, game day, Ms. Marvel and what we do in the shadows. Let's go. Amy. Whoa, 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 whoa. Does that come back today? Does it? Yep. Does, whoa. Yeah. What? Really? I had no idea. Oh, oh my just, God. I'm so happy right now. Wow. John. I'm so happy right now. Uh, just a John shaped smoke in the chair where he was. I'm so happy. That was, everyone's going to make memes. About I had no idea. Early today, folks. Oh my God. I have so much joy in my heart right now. Okay. Sorry. Go yeah, ahead. We're going to end the show early so we can patch the John shaped hole. He just made in the wall. I'm so happy. Uh, any, what we do in the shadows post shows, Ray Bob's burgers movie is on HBO and Hulu. I started it this morning. Um, Here's the thing. Doing a post-game shows for comedies is very hard. It's just us being like, that was funny. That I like that joke. joke. Yeah. That joke was funny. And that joke was funny. Okay. 
Like, uh, so it's very, very hard. So no, I don't think we'll do post shows for what we do. I'm so happy right now that it's back. Are okay. you crying? Maybe a little bit. Super stoked for that, but no, probably no post game shows for that, unfortunately. All right, what's next? That was an adorable reaction. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so happy. Jim One said, I'm hoping Fire and Blood is a return to season one and one through four Golden Age Game of Thrones. Um, what's Fire and Blood? Uh the Game of Thrones it, series. It's coming out. I, I thought it was House, House of Dragons. Dragon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. House of Dragons. It's like a Game of Thrones. It, yeah. But what's right. what's Fire and Blood? That's a book. The book, the book that it's based on, I believe. Uh, yeah, oh. George R. R. Martin's novel oh, oh, oh. That, 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 the, that the House of Dragon is based off. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, great. Yeah, look, I, I, I am one of the few sane people in the world who recognize how great the final season of Game of Thrones was. Most most people on the rest of the world got hit with some kind of global, you know. I wish uh, I could do a spit take right behind you. Yeah, <laughs> some some global. Uh, infection that uh, perverted everybody's thought, whatever. But look, I what is clear is that there were a bunch of people who didn't like, despite the fact that it set all the records for winning the most Emmys out of any TV show in history did the final season of Game of Thrones. But um, it, it needs to be good because there are a, a bunch of people who did not appreciate the final se season of Game of Thrones. And they are coming into Game of Thrones not hopeful, they are coming into to this next chapter into House of the Dragon with pitchforks. They're sitting down to watch going, I can't wait to pounce on this and say how it's all gone to shit. Hmm. So they, it better be good. It better be good. Now, it they got great people involved, uh, both at, obviously in front of the camera, behind the camera. I mean, I'm more looking forward to Lord of the Rings, but they, and I'll go one step further, they better crush it with episode one. Because I think there's going to be a whole lot of people watching this show that are going to be ready to crucify it and ditch after one episode yeah. if they don't come out strong. And so they better. They damn well better. I just can't wait for the opening credits and the theme. They've got well, they're not going to use the classic game. Of that's the what I mean. They got, I, want to, I want to know. They've got to have written a new theme. Right. And what, is the, what are the credits going to look like and what is the theme going to sound like? I'm really excited for that because... It's got to be new and awesome. It can't possibly. I mean, look. I think what everybody agrees on that Game of Thrones theme. I, I don't think you can touch it. I mean, I don't, I don't I, know. I mean, what if they come close? I hope they do. Could be I good. I hope they do. All right. What's next? Fifi said, "Watch the Kenobi edit. Wow, that's a good movie." <laughs> I, I'm telling you. Listen, it doesn't become one of the greatest Star Wars things ever, but the edit. I believe the guy's name is Kai. The edit he does on that, shaving out about 45 minutes, moving some scenes around, adding over some dialogue, it is amazing the power the editor can have. Mm. And it makes it infinitely more watchable. Again, I'm not saying Obi-Wan suddenly becomes one of the best Star Wars things out there. But the improvement over the series is tangible. I mean, really, really tangible. If you guys can find it, go find it and watch it because it's really fun. All right, what's next? Uh, Russell Amador said, Bow the Dumpling God Disney Plus series. Who's in? Don't laugh. That would probably become a top 10 thing rate watch thing on Disney if they did put that out. I, I just thought it was out of place in the movie, but I, I would be lying to you if I didn't say that I and a hell of a lot of people would watch a Bow the God of Dumpling just show. Just to see what that universe is like. Yes. <laughs> what's the, what's, if you're the God of that universe, what's the universe like? All right, what's I next? 
Uh, Andy said, thank you, Rob, for doing the voiceover for The Upside. Your voice gave me the added relaxation I needed at work. Can you ne- do the next one in ASMR? Well, I'm not quite sure that what we're going for with our sponsor spots is to put people to sleep. So that may, may that may not be a good thing. So we may have to revisit that. I don't know. Because Rob's got that voice. He's got that radio voice. Not asleep. They just want the tingles. Do this like this. Welcome to Upside. Ooh, hello, Fresh. Let me just cook. Let me cut the <laughs> all right what's next uh kevin newman cool last name uh oh wow with a big <laughs> old okay. super chat oh, thank you kevin for supporting us on that level man <laughs> hi fellow good canadian kid haven't sent a chat in a while you're right about starting with youtube just do it i've put out 75 plus videos of my top 365 movies one video a day for a year it's fulfilling despite low views Take his advice. Thanks, Jay. I'm so excited to hear that. Like I, I, you guys know me. I encourage, I think all film fans should get involved in doing a blog, a podcast, or a YouTube channel because it gets you involved with the object of your fandom. It allows you to contribute to the fandom. It's not about whether or not you get 100 views or not or whether you get 10 views or not. It's about just you being able to engage with it, and it makes the the it makes entertainment and movies and the industry and all that kind of stuff more personal. It's like, when I when I play, uh, I'll put a, an over under wager, you know, on in Vegas or something on a game, or you play in a uh, in a uh, fantasy football league. You you're more invested in the games on Sunday mm-hmm. when they come out, right? And I find when you get involved as a fan and you engage with the object of your fandom, you get even more involved with, you get more engaged with it. You get more invested in it. And I think that's great. And I'm so glad you're doing it. That sounds like a really good project. Good on you, man. And thanks for sharing that with us. All right, what's next? Uh, Jake and Chapman said, what genre do you hope takes over the box office after the MCU isn't top dog? I, why would I care? I mean, I, I just want great movies. I don't care if those great movies are horror movies. If a, whor- a bunch of horror movies come out and they're awesome and great, wonderful. If they're period piece movies, if they're political thrillers, if they're cop, if they're legal, if they're comedy, if they're you know erotic thrillers, if they're, I mean, I don't care. I mean, I just want great movies. I really don't care what, what genre they come in. What about you, Rob? Yeah, I mean, I feel the same way. I mean, I wouldn't, a genre, I don't want a genre to take over the box office. I want a diversity of films. I want comedies. I want dramas. I want historical epics. I want epic science fiction. I want more Westerns to get made. Ooh, Westerns. Westerns Hell cool. yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All right. What's next? Uh, Hoop Suni said, we finally have the only thing uh, the John Campia show has been missing. Someone who's seen Better Call Saul. What have you thought of this season so far, Amy? I'm not caught up, so please don't spoil it. I'm waiting for I, I keep catching it as it drops on Netflix. So I'm I'm catching up on the last uh, the fifth season right now. So I have not caught up, and my parents have. So anytime I go over there, I'm like, da 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 da. If so they start what, talking is, is about it, is it season six that they're on? I right believe now? so. Because you're on season five. I'm on season five. All right. It's so good though. By the way, our, our friend Robert Green just became a producer level member to the channel. Thank you, Robert. Good to have you here, man. All right. What's next? Uh, Suthia said, most of us have seen Tessa Thompson this weekend as Valkyrie, but I've also been enjoying seeing her on Westworld. She plays an antagonist very well. She is good on the show. So is, uh, what's the name? Why am I freezing on the name of the actor? He's got one of the best voices in Hollywood. Um, Jeffrey Wright? Jeffrey Wright. Like, oh, Jeffrey Wright's voice. I could listen to that dude and read the phone book. Um, you have 30 seconds, I brother. tapped out on the show. <laughs> I, I, wasn't, I didn't love season one, but it had enough highlights that I decided to check out season two. I was really happy with the first couple of episodes of season two, especially like when they went into Samurai World and stuff like that. 
But by midway through season two, I'm like, nah. And and I tapped out. So I haven't watched it. I don't know. What about you? The you show's been up changed. With it? You know, season three. I haven't seen any of season four, but it's like kind of changed the entire premise of where the show's going. I'm curious to see where it's going to wind up. All right. But, you know. What's next? Al Rensha says, was Zeus involved in uh, making of want to build a sex room, his orgy rooms? <laughs> yeah, I'm not invited to the orgy. <laughs> and would Bao have been invited to the orgy? That's what I needed to know. Uh, you would think. I bet there's a shared cinematic universe in there somewhere. You work up an appetite, you eat dumplings. <laughs> oh, jeez. All right, what's next? Just so much to unpack there. Andy said, I wish Midnight Mass hit the Emmys list. You know what? That is the one show that everybody told me to watch that I just never got around to watching. Like everybody, normally like whether it's The Expanse or Harley Quinn or shows like that, I, I get on them and I, I'm able to get caught up with them. But Midnight Mass is the one I just never did and everybody raves about it. You yeah. did watch it though, didn't you? Yeah. Uh, you know, I liked it a lot. I thought there was a lot of good stuff in it. I don't know if it was Emmy worthy though. There was good performances in it, but... But I, I mean, I liked the show. I really liked the setting. It was really atmospheric. It was good. It was All right. really good. Actually. What's next? Flanagan's good. Ron H. said, possible Ray hot toy bet. John has to actually watch Triple R and Chip and Dale by the end of the year or Ray gets his toy. L-L-B-O-T-F. Well, that's not oh, yeah, a that's bet. Not a that's bet. that's like a... That's blackmail. Yeah, that's blackmail. <laughs> that's... But I have no idea what I'm blackmailing. <laughs> yeah, uh, but I do want to watch them both. I, I will... I will, especially Triple R, because Anne wants to watch it with me. So we will yeah. get around to watch it. Chippendale's delight. Speaking of, of Ugly Sonic. They Anne to... loves that movie. It's uh, hilarious. She really liked it. I, just, I haven't seen Ron it Ron has been, a, yeah, asking me every day in the chat, has John watched Triple R yet? No, not yet. Mm. I'll get that. It, it, the problem is, it's not like an episode of TV. Yeah. I literally have to have a three plus hour chunk of time yeah, that's like half available three. to me. And that's not easy for me to come across. Like, I just suddenly have three hours available to me right now. I, it's so it's been especially since Anne wants to watch it with me. So we both have to be free at the same time and have like a, a clear three hour window open to us. So it's 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 taken us a little while to get around to it. You should right. really bring back the intermission, like just a nice clear spot of like, all right, finish this tomorrow. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's tough for us to do that because yeah. then we don't know when we're going to get the next yeah. time that we want to do this. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, all right, what's next? Suthia said, speaking of Westworld, Tandy, New uh, Tandy Newton is amazing as the badass synthetic being protagonist Maeve. Two great Maeve characters in shows currently, the other being a superpowered being. I loved that Maeve in The Boys. Because in season one, they, they meant she is, other than Homelander, she's the most powerful of the seven. Mm -hmm. But other than seeing an armored truck run into her, they've never really shown us what she can truly do. No. And to finally see her and Homelander go toe-to-toe -to -toe was great. I love that. I've never been a big Tandy Newton fan, um, but her work, I got to say, even though I tapped out on the show, her work in Westworld was very good. Oh, yeah, she's great. For what I saw of it. So, yeah, I liked her a lot in that. All right, what's next? P-Dot said, X-Men and MCU, no, because Fox movies, similar to comics, was topic coexistence of mutants in society. It made it profound, but people already coexist with powered people at MCU. Again, how they're going to bring the X-Men in has been the billion-dollar question. Like, everything from they've been there the whole time, which I believe is very problematic, to say they just show up now, which is very problematic, uh, to... I mean, I loved the idea that was floating around there that 
Wanda was going to bring them into yeah, being, you know, all, all that kind of stuff. That was interesting too, but how they're actually going to do it, I don't know. Look, I, I feel confident saying this. There is no really good way to do it. Also, any way you do it is going to have compromises, I think, unfortunately. Yeah, one of the things our viewer, the, the point he's making is that we already exist with superpowered people in the MCU. Yeah. The thing about mutants is they're homo superior and we're homo sapiens. And the idea in, in, in the comics is that homo superior will supplant regular humanity. So mutants are actually a threat to human existence, or at least some people would Perceive have to believe to be, that. Yeah. And that's part of it. So it's not just existing with superpowered people. It's existing with potentially our successors on the planet. Hmm. All right. What's next? The man with the master plan said, also, I missed the live spoiler show for Thor. So when can we send spoiler questions? Also, Rob, since you're an uh, HK film fan, have you seen A Better Tomorrow? Not only have I seen A Better Tomorrow, I have a six scale figure of Chow Yun Fat from A Better Tomorrow. <laughs> and I have all three Better Tomorrow movies on, well, actually on, I have two of them on Blu-ray, on DVD, and one on Blu-ray. As far as being able to send an open spoiler question, not for a number of weeks, maybe a month or two. So, we're, yeah, we're still pretty far away from that. All right, what's next? Adam Mooney said, what are your plans for San Diego Comic-Con coverage in a couple weeks? Also, are you guys going to D23? I would like to go to D23. I, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to or not. I'm going to get a hold of Disney. I'll see if they've got some press passes available. If they are, definitely go. But we will cover whatever gets announced there regardless. As far as plans for coverage, I will, <clears throat> like anything else, if the piece of news comes out of San Diego Comic-Con, we'll talk about it. Yeah. But like we're not going down there. We're not going to be on site or anything like that. So we'll we'll just see what comes out of it. All right. What's next? Al Rensha said, loving Rob's ASMR voice during the sponsor spots. Also, I did watch those XFL commercials and laughed so hard. Has the crew watched them? Well, I'm, I saw them when they first came out, like ages ago. So that, that was I, way back then. I did make a little video on my YouTube channel. It's a five-minute video where I did an explanation, and I was able to find the three commercials. I actually, I actually took them off an NBC website that had them, and so I, I put them together. So there's actually one more, but I, they didn't have that one. You should tweet out a link today. Today, tweet out a link to that video so people can see what we're talking about. All right. What's next? Uh, Jay Master said, hey, John, did uh, did you hear Soprano star Tony Sirico uh, oh, died on Friday yes. last week at the age of 79, reported by Variety? Yeah, uh, he was always one of the more charismatic characters on that show. Like I, I and, and, you know, it's funny because I heard the, I was reading the showrunner said he was the one actor that he would let change his lines. Hmm. And like like <laughs> nobody else did that on set, but he he would sometimes do this. He's the one guy we let do that, uh, which I thought was pretty fun. But, yeah, I was really sad to hear that. Yeah. All right. And everyone loved him, too. He was, yeah, he mm -hmm. was great. All right. What's next? Murray Reich says uh, one of the best ways to drain people's energy is via the Internet. I don't know what that's from. I don't either, but it's true. Yeah. I mean, it's very, it's very true. I don't know what that's a quote from. But it's very true. All right, what's next? Superman said, so glad Better Call Saul got an Emmy nom along with uh, Rhea Seahorn and Bob O, especially after last night's episode. Best show ever for me. I get, it is funny hearing how many Breaking Bad fans are saying this is actually better than Breaking Bad, which I find hard to believe because, like, I watched the first couple seasons and I really liked them. Yeah. They were not on the same level as Breaking Bad, though. But to hear that it's gotten that good, that it's even a conversation, that's she's enticing. She's phenomenal, too. I think she's absolutely part of the reason the show is, like, that loved and that respected. Her performance is just... And speaking of Odenkirk, if you haven't seen Nobody, 
see nobody. Yeah. He's so good in that. So good. All right, what's next? Uh, Cincinnati's five-star barber. Says, so in my opinion, The Offer is simply the best television I've seen in years. I could not take my eyes off of Matthew Good and any scene he was in. He and the entire cast were amazing. So unbelievably fire. I was actually, look, I, I think Yellowstone was purely snubbed. I was surprised not to see any of The Offer. Yeah, because the it, offer really is. And do you think maybe that's next year? Maybe. Yeah, was it up? I, for I don't know because first of all, Better Call Saul's nominated. It's not even finished airing. But they did split the season up. Yes, but the season isn't complete, mm. right? So I I don't know if there's a technicality in there or not because it's got everything. It's 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 got everything you think Emmy voters would want. It's incredibly good. The performances are fantastic. Matthew Good. As the head of Paramount, oh, I mean dude. that's Emmy worthy. So I, I don't know. Maybe there was a technicality. I don't know. But the the Better Call Saul thing is very confusing to me, considering it's still yeah, airing right now. That's it. Right. What's next? Uh, Al Renshaw said, "I remember when Mickey Rourke was drunk on Graham Norton show and was hitting on another female guest. That scans. I never. Yeah, that, 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 I want to go watch that right now. I have. I have. I, I'm not aware of that one myself, but now I'd be curious to see it. Man, do I love the Graham Norton show." It's so good. And you know, if I ever went on any talk show for any reason, that would be a dream of mine to go on to Graham Norton just to get drunk with him. <laughs> All right. What's next? And Mickey Rourke, apparently. Uh, Murray Reich said, had eight minutes of ad before the trailer started for Thor 4, then 25 minutes of trailers. That's. Now, the eight minutes was before the scheduled showtime. Like if the scheduled showtime was 7 p.m., you walked at, in there at 6.52. And the I show started seeing ads starting at 7. No, so have I. Yeah. So have I. I'm just saying that if the ads played before the scheduled short time, sh- show time, I have no problem with that. I know because you you say the show starts at seven. If I'm in there before seven, nothing wrong with you showing tons of ads before the show time. I just have an issue of paying money to go into a place to see something and then have them say, enjoy this half hour commercials first when yeah. you say the movie's starting. That is a problem, but if so, it would depend. But otherwise, that sounds terrible, man. All right, what's next? <laughs> uh, Cincinnati's five star barber said, "Amy, you can be my backup quarterback anytime." Oh, Thank that's you. high praise. Yeah. All right, <laughs> what's next? Uh, Sunset Metal said, "Hey, John, did you see Bree and Iman uh, Iman join Bob Chapek in Paris for a Disneyland ceremony? I sense the Marvel's marketing is approaching. Over or under, we uh, Captain Marvel in the finale." I have no idea what we're talking. Can you bring that uh, Brie uh, Larson and uh, oh, Iman. Oh, yeah, you from- said Bob. You know what? I had. I, I still have Better Call Saul in my head. When they, when he wrote Bob Chapek, I was thinking Bob you Odenkirk. You saw Bob yeah, Chapek yeah. and just thinking, blacked out from rage. No, no. I was thinking Bob Odenkirk. Okay, bring that back up again. Let me see that again. So obviously- Iman, So they were in Disneyland Iman Paris is, uh, with him for- From yeah. his Marvel. Yeah. Right, right, right. So yeah. I don't know. Listen, I said from the beginning of the season that I think- Carol Danvers is going to show up in this show. Feels and like they probably really in the finale, yeah. right? Because you've got to segue into the Marvels. So I I have always thought that I don't think them showing up at a Disneyland together necessarily means anything. Because remember, they've already shot the Marvels. So they've been hanging out a lot already. So I do not believe them being together at Disneyland tells us that Captain Marvel is going to be in the finale of Ms. Marvel. But I've always thought she would be anyway. So we'll find out in... <laughs> 12 hours. 12 hours from now, we will find out. All right, what's next? 
Gotta stay awake. Uh, Alan Ling said, hey, John and crew. I decided to start posting movie reviews of my own on Instagram. I take pics of the movie posters at the theaters as thumbnails to accompany my reviews. See, that is, again, Instagram is a great avenue for doing that as well. I know a lot of people actually do their whole thing on Instagram. That's another great avenue to do with this. Good for you for the creativity, man. That's great. All right, what's next? Oh, that's That's it. it. All right, guys. And that'll do it. For today's installment of the John Campion Show, thank you so much for being here, guys, and making this show part of your day. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in those super chats, number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. Number two, you supported this channel as you did it, and all of us involved with the show, thank you so much for your support. Of course, big thank you to all the guys in the room, Robert Meyer Burnett, Amy Newman, Ray Ora, Jonathan Voico. Don't forget the John Campy Show returns again tomorrow. We will also tomorrow have our open spoiler discussion of Ms. Marvel, the series finale. Come back and join us for that. But for now, guys, that'll do it for us. My name's John Campia, and until next time, my friends, bye-bye. <laughs>